everybody welcome to the evangelical dark web uh tonight we're going to be discussing the 2022 midterm elections live and we're going to be taking live interaction live uh inter yeah just live questions live analysis uh we're going to be having a conversation that we haven't really talked ahead of time about so it's actually good to have us both here on tonight team evangelical dark web and we'll see who else joins us as well tonight but in the meantime you know we're gonna have a raw unfiltered discussion and uh that that's what tonight's gonna be about so with that said the 2022 midterms it has been insane it's been pretty insane thus far and from a christian perspective we can't exactly look at it and say this was such a great election and you just can't like overtly Christian candidates lost or even got blown out. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Trump versus DeSantis, which I'm sure is a topic of many interest. But I do first want to start out talking about the name of the stream. The name of the stream is a mighty fortified election stream. I'm sure you get the reference. Uh and this is just a joke that I came up with at two o'clock in the morning, but it's actually a really good title. Just like the data, just this like the a, ballot drops. This is a very fortified election that we're looking at, particularly at the states of Arizona and Nevada. These are not states that have a history of counting votes quickly, and that's just how we'll put it. They're very election fortified. Like Nevada, as far as I know, they've always not been good at this. And that's not to say that the results are untrustworthy, but the process to me, like they've, they've always had issues, whether it's a primary election, whether it's a general, uh, I, I always kind of think Nevada's a problem child, but Arizona, you know, Katie Hobbs is in charge of that. But so and eh, that that's really what it comes down to, but we await the slow counting of the votes that are outstanding uh, in Arizona, in Nevada. Alaska also wants to take their sweet time, but they have a new system called ranked choice voting, which is really bad, really cringe. So uh, not a fan of that because it's deliberately designed to keep people like Murkowski in office. So, and what's the other Senate race that's outstanding? Uh, Laxaw. Georgia, Georgia. Oh, Georgia. And that's going to a runoff. So we'll also talk about uh, Mehmet Oz and Herschel Walker tonight. Because, again, we said some pretty saucy things about Mehmet Oz back in, was it March, April, or May, some several months ago. And we stand by those statements, and we are vindicated by those statements. Uh, Mehmet Oz was a terrible candidate. He was a ballot blue pill. And it did not pay off. It just did not pay off. but. Um, again, we're going to have a lot of discussion tonight. Trump versus DeSantis, I'm sure, is a topic that many of you want to talk about. And now that I see that the live stream count is growing, good reminder to both like the uh, the stream to get it magical YouTube algorithms to help them out. And also comment, 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 submit your questions. It's going to do a lot of interaction tonight because, you know, it's just teammate Evangelical Dark Web here. Uh, guests didn't really get back to me on coming up. So like the stream, send in your questions. And 
uh, you know, let's, let's just dive right on in. So where do you want to begin? I mean, geez. maybe local is the best place to be. Yeah, local. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Dan Cox lost on Maryland. So um, it probably Dan, wasn't. Dan Cox, just for uh, everybody's uh, knowledge, is your basic Christian nationalist candidate. He is incredibly based. Uh, when I was running for office, he endorsed me. Uh, we got a picture next to Dan Cox. So I, I, I love Dan Cox. I love Michael Perotka as well, who was featured in the NBC scare piece on Christian nationalism that uh, Doug Wilson was in. They also had Michael Perotka in that as well. They had a clip of him. So definitely love those candidates. But Dan Cox got schlocked like he didn't even break past 40 percent or something like that. So he got completely blown out in Maryland uh, and the Republicans underneath him did better, even Perotka, even though Cox and Perotka are the same candidate. It's that kind of low info voter that says, I'm going to not vote for Cox, but then I'm going to vote Republican down ballot. Well, he also might including have Perotka. gotten like constitutional party or even libertarian supporters. And then I guess that I don't know how many people voted Sh Sh Shellick or whatever his name was. That was like a write in. The, no, uh, not none in Carroll County that from what I saw. So at the at, in Maryland, we got crushed, and it's largely because the Hoganites wanted to sack a Republican nominee because their girl lost. And granted, I would have not voted for their girl, uh, Kelly Scholes. I wouldn't have voted for Kelly Scholes. She's a Democrat in my mind, but they're petty. They're petty. They were petty like that. They didn't like the fact that a real Republican got nominated in Maryland over their girl. So they sacked them. And that's what happened. So, uh, and we, I'm getting a question about the who or what stopped the supposed red wave. We'll talk about that for sure. But I, I just wanted to start off local. Oh, and uh, Parrot. Uh, Neil Perot. No, I do not think he's going to get in. You don't think he's going to get in? I think that mail-in ballot that's remaining is going to knock him out. Wow. That's my thought, because in the primary election in Maryland, they count the mail-in ballots and the absentee ballots last. Now, the absentee is a non-factor, absentee provisional non-factor in this. But the mail-in ballots, they were two to one shoals over Cox in the primary where we live. So I imagine that breakdown is pretty universal throughout the state that these are going to be two to one against Trump uh, for Trump. That's my guess as to what's going to happen with the, that mail-in. So I don't think Maryland's going to net a Republican congressman in this election cycle. So, but I do believe our board of election candidates, won our Cox endorsed board of Edu education candidates. So we, did win locally at the board of education level. I do believe we're going to win that when the mail-in ballots are counted, we're at least going to win two out of three seats, which maintains the current balance of power. Now, if we win all three, then we have a complete five zero slate uh, clean sweep on the board of education. Uh, because ironically, despite how liberal Maryland is, we are a County that has made national news on a couple of occasions this year for the battles with the board of education, our board of education was, or the parents in our County were a little ahead of the game in terms of the national conversation and getting involved. Uh, it took some very disastrous policies to get there, but we are actually pretty ahead of the game. Uh, and 
with the parent organization in this county, but it did not translate to top of the ballot in the county as well. So that I believe covers local. Uh, where do we want to go from here? The Senate, the House, uh, the governors. I mean, I think a lot of times with a lot of the Senate and the House are kind of the same story on a, on a broad scale. Um, I mean, I guess we could start off with uh, what was Team GOP's message going into the primary or into the general on Tuesday. Cause, and because, you know, maybe you have 19... I'm an outlier, but I thought the Republicans did have a message. But maybe it's the fact that I'm paying attention to certain campaigns that do have a message and thinking that that was applied universally. Because Carrie Lake had a message. Lee Zeldin had a message. Ron DeSantis had a message. Yeah, a lot so, of the candidates that did well had messages, but at the same time on a national level. Who didn't level, have a message? I mean, I think in general, a lot of, like, if you ask me what was the GOP, team GOP congressional message going into the thing, it was, what, inflation, which, again, you know, we'll probably talk about it later, but let's be honest, the Republicans are just as responsible for inflation as Biden is because they instigated all the spending all the same as the Democrats. So uh, Marie Marie asked, uh, was abortion more important than the economy? We might get to that later, but actually, I think, you know, since we're talking about messaging, I think now's the perfect time to address that. Like the it's the economy stupid was a mantra, a political mantra for decades in this country. But I think that mantra is dead. Yeah, I mean, people didn't need reminders that the economy sucked. I mean, we were pretty much in recession for the first half of this year. Uh, Obviously, gas prices, but, you know, Biden pretty much tempered the gas prices by dumping the oil reserves, which kind of faded the gas prices going into the fall. Um, That plan pretty much worked out perfectly. Okay, what about buying off college students? Which didn't work, apparently, because I think that got struck down today. Yeah, but do you think the people at the ballot remember that? Honestly, I think... Or do you think the people at the ballot are thankful that the Democrats tried to do it or thankful or bitter that they didn't succeed? I think this is where the abortion thing goes in more because I think it's... Because one thing I saw, and I have it pulled up, is uh, uh, unmarried women were 68% Democrat in this cycle. So I think abortion is probably a bigger issue than the economy for these women. Because obviously they're emotional and they're unmarried, so they're untethered, and they want—they just want to be able to kill children. So I yeah, think I, abortion is what really drove out a young woman's vote in this cycle, and that's probably—I mean, average age of a uh, unmarried woman is well, average age of first marriage is about twenty-nine for a woman. So that's your Zoomers and I guess later millennials that are pretty much falling into that under that uh umbrella and you know the roe v wade pretty much i mean they're saying that that drove them to vote obviously i think i think in addition to roe v wade there was also a couple states that had ballot measures yes michigan being one of them yes so tudor dixon uh, was pretty disappointing Uh, I, I I i knew that was a tough race not because governor whitmer is a popular figure, but because she's a politically powerful figure in that country, in that part of the country, she is, I think 
a politically well-off family. Like there's a dynasty thing going on there. So, uh, uh, let's see. Smart, simple fit has a, uh, order of crimes. Let's see. Abortion, gay marriage, CRT crime is a greater issue than taxes, gun control, deregulation. All these issues matter though. And I, I, I got to agree with that. I got to agree with that. I don't think gay marriage is as big of an issue, but I see the argument to be made, but critical race theory, major issue. Crime, major issue, especially in New York. And abortion is a major issue, but the Republicans kind of caved on the abortion issue. I mean, one uh, thing I one thing I am seeing is, and again, I would think abort, like for a state like Michigan, I mean, the economy is not going to be at, as impactful as the abortion ballot because I think the abortion got uh, 56% of the vote. I'm looking at it right now, 56.7. So almost 57. That's about as much as Gretchen Whitmer did, or maybe slightly higher. It slightly outperformed Gretchen Whitmer, but she got 62% of the women in that, in that cycle. So, I mean, the idea that, I mean, Michigan's pretty much your, your classic Rust Belt state. It's been destroyed by unions, Democrats and, uh, basically all the jobs going away because of globalism. So they are the prime, they are ripe for an economic message, but that's only, that's primarily going to appeal to men. I and, agree. And, you know, as much as we want to say that women are, you know, demonic, let's actually give pat ourselves on the back here as men, because like the men skewed heavy Republican. And this is what I said at the end of the 2020 election was that, uh, the real political realignment in this country is going to be those who favor biblical gender roles versus those who do not. The masculine and the feminine versus the effeminate and the androgynous. That is the political realignment in this country. Yeah. So, I mean, and the other thing is like this, you know, this myth of the secret conservative black voter. Tudor Dixon and the exit polls got 6%. So there's no secret hidden conservatism amongst the black community. It doesn't exist. No, there's definitely not. No. And Uh, 6%. I mean, read that and weep. uh, No amount of... I mean, maybe... I I wonder if Ron DeSantis did better. Oh, I imagine, but... I imagine he did because he outperformed everything. So one thing we could look at is how he got nearly 60% in Florida which is huge. That's Chuck Grassley numbers, which Chuck Grassley did not meet this cycle. He did not get those numbers this cycle, but that that's how much of a blowout that election was in Florida. But I think you're right uh, on the abortion as a major issue. And you know what? At the end of the day, worth it. Worth it. Overturning Roe v. Wade was worth it. I, I don't care about electing uh, a, a rhino governor in Tudor Dixon, probably. I don't care about electing a rhino senator in Mehmet Oz. And, you know, who cares about Oregon? I don't, uh, as far as their governor race goes. I don't care about that. I, I, I wanted Roe v. Wade overturned. That is a much bigger victory than anything this election could have delivered. So, uh, that, that's just for starters. We got to say worth it at the end of the day. So this was a good year politically for us, even if the election was not what we were promised, what we anticipated. So we need to stop dooming because I actually 
am a little bit optimistic about this. And we're going to talk about that as well, uh, as far as uh, some of the fallout from this election and what messages people are getting uh, in this. So uh, we got a question from uh, Formosan Black Bear. Grass is legal in Maryland, right? It was passed this election. And the answer to that is yes, but there's no policy. Yeah. Which I mean, is the weird thing. They, they just put in the constitution that the Maryland state legislature can like regulate and legalize marijuana, but there's no policy attached to it. So, there, you know, people just voted for a blanket and there's no actual policy. Hey, I passed on grass, so I, I didn't. I didn't even bother with that. Yeah, it was a. Yeah, I mean, it was useless anyway. Uh, what's the point? You, you put that in a referendum, it's going to pass a hundred percent of the time, uh, because that's just where the country's at. So, and it's a non-issue to me. I don't smoke marijuana. I, I just don't care. I got too many other issues to care about, like that issue that, uh, smart, simple, uh, fit. I believe it was your list of issues yeah that was all those issues are more important than marijuana every issue is more important than marijuana uh because i don't care about people smoking weed i just i don't have time to care about that fentanyl much bigger issue uh but and of course the other experimental drugs are a much bigger issue so that is a nice little pausing point so Obviously, abortion is a major issue in this election cycle. The economy, not as much a major issue. That That's kind of a disappointment. But, you know, the old paradigm is gone. And I guess the next topic, which we kind of already alluded to, is the whole Gen Z vote. And I've always said that Gen Z is a very polarized generation. I've always said that. They're, they're a very polarized generation. But I've always called that a good thing. I've called that a good thing because, yes, there's a bunch of them. Majority are liberal, right? But the ones who are conservative get it. The ones that are conservative are more conservative than, you know, many boomer cons, more conservative than, uh, you know, they're they're in line with the Gen Xers and probably more conservative than a lot of millennials. So the yeah, ones I mean, who are conservative not, are really conservative. They're not but the ones that on are liberal are cutting off their uh, boobs and penises. Yeah, on, and on shouting the, their abortions on the right. They're not going through the generational learning arc of let me, you know, be a Reagan conservative, then, you know, compassionate conservatism with Bush, uh, you know, go through your little war hawk phase of America, world police. They're not going through that arc and then maybe libertarianism and then receding back. I was a libertarian a in college. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're not yeah, going yeah. on that journey as much because their entry-level conservative content is not there, or it's closer to the libertarian conservative, so you're skipping past the Warhawk, Bush, and all that. Oh, until just... at, at the same time, who are the biggest names in conservative media? Obviously, Sean Han Hannity is somewhere on the list. Glenn Beck is somewhere on the list. And uh, Remind me about Glenn Beck because he said something that was just complete clown nonsense. That was Mormonism, but just saying. And then Mark Levin, neocon. You know, I just don't think it's been anywhere in the last couple of years. Uh, and then you got Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, largest YouTube conservative channel. Uh, again, very all normies. And 
you know, we kind of need to onboard people a little bit faster into conservatism. We need to promote the people who are doing excellent. Oh, Tucker Carlson. Thank you in the chat for reminding me of him. Who's actually really based. So uh, this is what Glenn Beck said during the blaze is pretty lackluster election coverage. Like I was really disappointed, like all this chalkboard stuff, but he doesn't whip out the chalkboard for doing maps. They're not looking at maps whatsoever or data or anything, but they are talking a lot. And Glenn Beck said something to the effect of, you know, I, my faith teaches me that this is a consecrated land. Oh yes. No unrighteous uh, person will ever, uh, no unrighteous person will ever rule here. It'll be unrighteous will not rule. So uh, Tom Nasser asks, how is Mark Levin a neocon? Like, I don't know if he was supporting Ukraine. Ukraine, he's a neocon in my book, but that's, that's the answer. Wasn't he also pro-vax? I, I assume like the list of conservative leaders who were against the branch Covidian agenda is very small. It's basically Steve Dace and a lot of smaller channels. So that, that, that's basically it. So as far as pushing back against the vax, uh, the branch Covidian agenda, Steve Dace and everyone else was smaller than him. And then Tucker Carlson later on would be a much bigger role in that. Oh, Steve Bannon as well. Okay. As Steve Bannon's also huge. He's just not in my sphere. Like I don't, it's hard to remember people that you, that aren't in your sphere, but ironically, when it comes to this election, Charlie Kirk was actually spot on with a lot of analysis that he made. Like he's the one that said, Hey, this isn't going to be as big as you guys think it's going to be because he actually anticipated what the polls did not. And that was a higher turnout among Gen Z. So Charlie Kirk of all people has actually had very cutting analysis to offer. And I say that because again, Charlie Kirk, I just thought was kind of a grifter, but the Groiper wars, the Groiper Wars, which Charlie Kirk lost, have really made him a better person. Yeah, I mean, having like, lost that, he has become a better person. He's become well, a he better started commentator. He's doing, become better at this. He started actually saying, "Oh, wow, you know, this social conservatism thing actually matters. You can't just go out there with stale economic messaging on, oh, the Democrats and communism and socialism, you know." communism's failed elsewhere like that argument doesn't work you've convinced so, everyone but yeah now, so as soon as he kind of realized that you know hey what are we trying to conserve and then again like you said i think a lot of that has to do with the summer of love and uh, sarcastically I, I mean that the summer of love and the uh rise of critical race theory is a political issue because i do believe that charlie kirk despite the fact that let's be real Turning Point USA has been big on promoting tokens and gays. Well, tokens as well, but, but they've been big on that. And, you know, Charlie Kirk actually went to my knowledge, pretty hard on the issue. And he founded the fall Kirk center at Liberty university. Yeah. That, uh, which I'm not super confident in. Is... They now changed the name of it, I believe. Yeah. TP. USA faith or whatever they call it. I mean, it, it probably veers more in the Pentecostal charismatic side, which is why I've never really taken them seriously. It. Yeah. I mean, but Hey, if we want to talk about theology is post, uh, post millennialism, a cope, <laughs> that's a hot topic for another day, I suppose. But you know, there, 
you know, the idea that things are, you know, always going to get better and better and better. And, you know, they're kind of betting on this is an earlier age in the church history. So that that's to get to give them credit or to be charitable here. They're betting on this is an earlier age in church history, not a later age. Uh, I think, I don't know, the idea that Jesus can come back any day means that we're in the later age of church history, but that's just me. So now that we see uh, a lot of issues, let's kind of go race by race if, uh, and just talk about certain races that kind of pop up to us. Let's kind of go to Mehmet Oz first in Pennsylvania, because this is one, you know, we've done the video saying, no, it's not really biblical to support Mehmet Oz. He is a snake oil salesman. He was for uh, mutilating children before you knew what mutilating children was. So the other thing. for all of that, he's extremely pro-abortion uh, and made yes. fun of the pro-life movement as late as 2019 or as early as 2019 to say that, you know, that would have been the earliest he would have changed his mind on this issue was 2019. And what changed? You know, he converted to Islam or something? No, no, he was speculated for office. That's that's what changed. That, that's what changed. And why run as a Republican in New Jersey when you can run as a Republican in Pennsylvania? It's electorally more actually, or is it Ohio that's the other state that he's involved in? But I thought I thought I would have thought Jersey. I mean, because all like the pencil like Pennsylvania doesn't like outsiders and you got a huge like coalition of states, like you know, they call it Alabama in the middle. Uh so and, uh Pedro is uh saying that Memonaz is less pro-life than Liz Cheney. I don't know what Liz Cheney believes on that. I just know that Liz, the Cheneys were never conservative. Like Dick Cheney was pro gay marriage. People forget that. And he, and he also doesn't know what a quail looks like. But most people don't know what a quail looks like. So I just know their eggs are tiny. <laughs> but uh but yeah. So like Oz, you knew you were getting a, a liberal an outsider. I mean, the guy, if the guy can't beat a vegetable, he's never going to win. And that was a terrible candidate from day one. I'm glad I, I was pretty vehemently anti Oz and, you know, just made me want to beat my head into a wall. Every time I heard red Eagle pop politics be like Mehmet Mondays, it's just like, no, no, it's like, no, we shouldn't be propping up a guy that's literally going to be Mitt Romney in the Senate. who's going to just stab his people in the back. And again, that's a downgrade from Pat Toomey who's the current senator in Pennsylvania. That guy sucks. And Pat Toomey was one of the impeachment senators, right? Yes. Along what? I'm not sure if he saved uh, Build Back Better. I know Rob Portman in Ohio saved Build Back Better. Because, you know, Biden's big spending plan, which was responsible for driving inflation, Republicans saved both in the House and the Senate. Yeah, it, it, it'd be like that. So Mehmet Oz, again... Red Eagle politics, to be fair to him, he wanted to meme him into being a good politician because he figured that he was malleable. I, I get the play that he was going for. I think he was way overselling it. And there was a lot better candidates that that same energy could have gone into. So, but I don't see the, it, it's hard. But one of the analysis that we should not be making is that we should not be blaming Democrats for voting for a vegetable as a Senator. 
Why are you blaming them for doing that? Because hey, let's be real. Let's, a sex let's, offender could have beaten Mehmet Oz. And the Democrats are fine voting for sex offenders. They've already done it. 81 million votes. 81 million votes. So that that's one way to put it. But I was going to make the same point. Like, they voted a vegetable as president of the United States. And you're confused that they voted for a vegetable as, pre, uh, as a senator? A U.S. senator is the easiest job in the country. You think about it. You get six, six years job security at six figures. You're making six figures for six years, and your job's to be part of the show. It is a show. You're a part of the clown show. That is the United States Senate. That is the easiest job in the world. Even on the Supreme Court, which is a lifetime appointment you can't get fired from, you actually got to do some sort of analysis on, okay, I got to author the opinion on the of the court. You know, I can't just rely on them to do the work for me. They're going to hate me for it. You know, there's kind of some sort of pressure to not be the lazy one on the court. And then if you're Katanji Brown Jackson, I, she just needs to talk all the time. And then, you know, uh, Clarence Thomas is like the super quiet one, but like delivers. But the easiest job in the world is a U.S. senator. The Democrats have no downside to voting for Fetterman because he's going to vote yes on every single one of their issues because the Democrats are a hive mind. He's going to vote yes on every single one of their issues. They have all the positives, and the only blowback they get is that he's a vegetable. They're going to take that deal. But if he dies, I mean, Shapiro will replace him, or I don't know what the protocol is in Pennsylvania, but you know, if they have an appointment— the other thing is it's easier to unite the Democrats and the hive mind in Pennsylvania than the Republicans because you have basically your Philly Republicans who are urban. They're pretty much Massachusetts. Then you have your MAGA country in the middle, and then you might have like your Michigan-ish Rust Belt Republicans over in the West. So you have pretty much three different types of Republicans that form one party in that state. Getting so... them to unify is extremely difficult. The other thing is you get, I mean, I think Oz underperformed Trump in a lot of Western Pennsylvania, and that's why he lost. He outperforms in Philadelphia. He underperforms in in West PA because so those voters said that we're is not actually a major. Uh, that's a major question that I have for this: is why did the Rust Belt underperform? The rural whites in the Rust Belt did not turn out in 2022. Why is that? This is the same case in Michigan, Wisconsin, and this is also the same case in Pennsylvania, and even a little bit to some extent Ohio. The middle of the country, uh, these Rust Belt states did not turn out the same way that we'd expect them to. And, you know, I guess one of the comments in the chat is this is a midterm. And I agree with that, but to some extent, you don't expect an underperformance percentage wise. You don't expect you expect the, the people that voted for Trump to be fired up returning here. Right. Why did this group of people uniquely underperform? Whereas the group of people that voted for, say, Herschel Walker, which we'll get to that race in a second. The people that turned out for Carrie Lake, which, again, the people that turned out for in Texas for Greg Abbott. All those people turned out for a midterm. 
why did this unique uh, group of people did not turn out? And, you know, I don't think this is a, a cheating issue. This is a turnout issue. Pennsylvania was saying we're going to take a long time to count the ballots, right? They were saying that before ahead of the election. They had the, they had the election pretty much counted one, day one. There's some outstanding, I guess, but they, I mean, they don't need to drag it out for weeks. I mean, because they know who won. I mean, Oz is uniquely bad. I mean, that's, I mean, keep in mind, this is one of the few candidates, the national apparatus, like he had money. You can't say that about any of the other, most of the other candidates in that the Republicans were backing of the, like the contentious Senate races. They really only gave money to three of the candidates and Oz was one of them. He lost with $40 million. Now, if you, I mean, you can't, he could have lost with 60 million. I mean, you can't, at the end of the day, he had money and he still lost. I mean, so I think some of these other candidates, they didn't have money. And I'm going to pull up, you know, the article that you wrote on this subject, because, you know, if you look at the state, the Democrats outfunded Republicans, and this is for the Senate, the Senate races. And this was true in 2018. I did a lot of coverage of the 2018 election um, because I wrote about politics before I wrote about faith. That's my backstory on this. So I actually understand politics, unlike a lot of people who are in the more theological spheres that try to talk politics. They don't quite know the X's and O's as much. Uh, but obviously you have Arizona, 79 million to 12 million. That is JD Van, or not JD. That is Blake Masters being outspent. Uh, was that by Mark Kelly? Yes, that is what a seven to one margin, almost. Uh, Georgia ninety eight million to thirty seven million. I'm rounding. No, again, down. I'll I'll say that they actually did fund Herschel Walker. I mean, that's Herschel Walker got the ba- he got the bag. Uh, Nevada fifty two million to fifteen million. And again, Alex underfunded. Alex Laxalt's a career politician. He's been nationally backed. He's the chosen one. He, I think his father was in politics. So he's a political dynasty in Nevada. He was also, I think, the, the AG. So that's a candidate that you would, you would think a career politician would get a lot of money into that race. And if, you know, and for Nevada in particular, that's a down ballot implication. Cause if you'd given him th- like $30 million, you might've even flipped some of them lower house seats because, like three of the house seats, you could have had three of the four house seats in Nevada if you had just spent more money. Uh, Cause I mean, those races were both within like two points or something around that, in that range. I mean, you throw 10, $20 million more, you would win this race. And Alex Laxaw, I mean, he'd probably be middle of the road, maybe like a Mike Lee. Uh, yeah, I would have to find my analysis from 2018, but I did the same type of analysis and that's, you know, if I, I were betting on the 2018 elections, I would have made a lot of money because my analysis was solid. And the reason why my analysis was solid is because I factored in money with polls. Like I didn't just rely on polling. I, I use money as more of a metric because the Democrats were spending money on who was popular. They were spending money on Beto O'Rourke. They were spending money on, I want to say Sherrod Brown. Uh, he got a lot of dough, but the Republicans were spending money where the, it was winnable. They invested heavily in the state of Florida. 
Like, so Ron DeSantis was pretty well funded going into Florida. Ron DeSantis, Rick I think Scott was extremely well funded going in. They funded Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis in Florida. And to some degree, they sacked some other I mean, more I think winnable opportunities. DeSantis had 56 million for his first. I mean, he came in with this in this cycle with 200 million dollars or something ridiculous, which I mean, again, he had way more than he needed, which. Oh, means yeah. Which that, but he used it to help out the down ballot. Yes, DeSantis, that is the impressive thing about DeSantis, DeSantis delivered, which I, we probably will get to that later. But so you can next clearly, on, see Nevada. If they had just spent more money, you could have increased that margin, and you probably could have increased your down ballot. Uh, New Hampshire. This is embarrassing. Thirty-eight yes. million to two million. All this talk rounding down, by the way, but thirty-eight million to two million. That you know, New Hampshire's this purple state. Uh, it's again, not purple. They just have a rhino governor. Yeah, but at the end of the day, if you act, honestly believe that this is this was a flippable seat, or even if you just wanted to throw, I mean, again, I said at a minimum they should have thrown twelve million at this race, just because even if you don't get a return on investment in this cycle, you might be building the infrastructure for a future cycle. But and again, you do a lot of your. New Hampshire uh, primary election in the presidential cycle. So again, they should have invested more in the state. This is a disgrace. And maybe with, you know, $12 million, that margin now, is down to four-ish. New 4%. Hampshire, I believe, voted for Bush the first time. Oh, I want to say. So they used to be a red presidential state, or at least they were winnable. But now it's pretty much unwinnable. Although I believe Trump in 2016 came kind of close but who knows how riggedy rigged that might have been. But uh, North Carolina, uh, we have uh, 33.8 million to 12 million. And so, the Republicans won that one. Yes. So Ted, Ted Budd, he's, he was, you know, your Trump endorsed uh, Freedom Caucus member in the House. He's a current representative. You think they would, you know, they would ship in a lot of money to protect their own. And, you know, there's this idea that North Carolina is trending blue. So you would think if North Carolina is trending blue, let's throw some money at it to keep it red. And they pretty much said, no, thank you. Let's shore up our defense and go on offense like that typical, you know, military strategy. Right. Because this state's being invaded. I mean, you got outspent in a open seat. Yeah, because a bunch of Marylanders and, are moving to the Carolinas. <laughs> and, you know. Ted Budd is a current congressman, so it's not like you know you kind of already know him. Or should I say, J.D. Greer and Stephen Furtick are taking over the state churches there, so they're just wokeifying everything down there. That'd probably be a better explanation for why the suburbs in North Carolina and North Carolina is increasingly becoming one giant suburb. But yeah, I mean, and that, you that see states th we got to do better in North Carolina. Yeah, but. and that three percent, yeah. 3%, but you know, that should have been 5%. That should have been, you know, 6%. And the down ballot impact of 3% is that Ted Budd's current seat in Congress, his district is now flipped because they didn't spend enough money. And if you look at the down ballot, uh, Sandy Smith and, uh, dang, what's Wait, the other Sandy person? Smith, he was based, right? She was based, yes. Oh, uh, I, she, I, I mean, remember was, the, in 2018, there was a red, there was a Republican that was ousted in a primary and it happened in Western North Carolina and it was based. 
So they actually ousted an unpopular rhino with a Republican, a real conservative. That was one of the only uh, primary flips. And that's why I stopped paying attention to national primaries because that was just such a, um, that was such a bl uh, black pilling experience because people don't do their research for the best candidate. They just don't. And I know you did some of that on Evangelical Dark Web uh, for the primaries and, like Mehmet Oz, for in instance. North Carolina, I covered. And yeah, Ted Bud's seat. I mean, you had a guy named Bo Hines running for it who's like your socially liberal MAGA bro. And he lost. Again, He was both him and Sandy Smith were outfunded by the Democrats on their opposite side. And you know, they should not be losing these seats. You should be paying money and spending money. And again, this isn't just Mitch McConnell. It also falls on Kevin McCarthy, where that 3.6%, if that was 5%, that has a trickle-down effect. They're not spending the money to win these races, and it shows. So I would think, what, I mean, if you want to look at you know the various avenues of why the, you know, the red tsunami turned into a red disappointment, you have money, shenanigans. And, you know, maybe in some cases you had the abortion issue. I mean, you can't overcome the zeal of women that want to kill their children. So, okay. So JD Vance, Ohio, that was 47.3 million to 12 million. The JD Vance was outspent. Yeah. Now, I mean, Tim, Tim this Ryan, one I don't begrudge not spending a whole lot of money. I mean, Tim Ryan is a congressman currently. Well, he will be a former congressman, but. Again, this one also kind of goes down to the down ballot, you know, maybe raise a little bit more money for J J.D. Vance, get the down ballot to work. I, I disagree because that's DeWine's job. DeWine, like J.D. Vance, from what I understand, did not campaign that hard. He was up in every single poll. There's never really any doubt he was going to carry this. So Ohio has been trending red. I don't see the need to invest that much money in Ohio. In fact, I would have been pissed if the Republicans invested so much money in Ohio. There's no need to invest that much I money mean, if, in Ohio. I mean, if it's not this if this is not a f crime for Mitch McConnell, it's certainly a crime for Kevin McCarthy cuz you lost three house races you could have won in this state, including Steve Chabot who is a incumbent. So they flipped the seat in Ohio. Uh you lost with uh I got to read their names. Uh, J.R. Majewski, again, that was Majewski. Yeah, he was, on, yeah. I, he was uh, well. a MAGA bro, famous for painting the Trump thing in his yard or something like that. And then you had Madison uh, Gisedio Gilbert, who's like a, I want to say she's like super hot. She's like Miss Ohio or something like that. She's actually like a beauty pageant, and it's like you couldn't even like get her across the. It's just like you had two seats. That you, and you pretty, had three seats in your down ballot that you should have been spending more money to win. And you couldn't even shore up in Ohio. So, yeah, it kind of falls on. Uh, and then we have the earth shattering 56 point, uh, 56 million dollars for the Fetterman campaign to 40 million dollars for Mehmet Oz. And all that over 40 million dollars That is the most in these competitive Senate races that Republicans spent, it was on Mehmet Oz. Yeah, I mean, this one also might go to, I mean, he might have raised money from like uh, Steve Yost, who's a billionaire out in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, you might have had a little bit more like Wall Street connection. But at the end of the day, this was the race they spent money on and they got a, you know, a piss poor return on investment. Yeah, versus, it was a terrible return. 
if you spent more in Ohio, if you spent more in North Carolina, you would get some of them house races on the down. Uh, Charles uh, says that I saw very few ads for Vance in comparison to Ryan. And, you know, again, again Vance well, can't paint that hard. The funding. But, uh, nice to see that. you, uh, Charles, in the chat tonight because he was at the uh, retreat with us in uh, New York. Well, I mean, but again, what are they doing? Advertising in the Browns games, which, you know, who's in Cleveland watching the Browns? Uh, get, get taken uh, to a Super Bowl, you know. But uh, Pedro says uh, Mitch McConnell won the Game of Thrones. He didn't fund the ultra MAGA candidates and dumped unbelievable amounts of money into Ron DeSantis to give him the biggest lead possible to coronate for 2024. I don't know how much he has over governor's races, but again, Ron DeSantis had the money. He, he didn't need Mitch McConnell's well, I think money. I feel like he won a lot of his money on grassroots, though. Like, we shouldn't underestimate the fact that, I mean, the guy had record money. Like, yeah, that's not whatever the record was, he, shat he shattered the record. And people were trying to complain about him taking like $300,000 from Publix in a $56 million election. Well, if the guy has over $120 million to work with, you know, Mitch McConnell giving him $1 million isn't going to affect even $12 million isn't going to affect it. If he just gives them 10% of his take. And this is the closest election spending was, uh, I don't know who the Barnes Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin, I believe yeah. uh, to Ron Johnson, an incumbent Republican so, I mean, Senator. So yeah, it Ron was 34.5 million to 31.5 million, a $3 million difference, give or take. And that was to hold a seat. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a seat that they act, actually, that some of money... these others are to hold a seat as well, but not with an incumbent. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can kind of see, you know, when money, when the money is mostly equal that, you know, Ron Johnson was able to prevail, but you know, in a very many... underperforming Wisconsin election cycle. And that's especially disappointing because the Wisconsin Republican Party is actually pretty well organized. They are a comparably well organized party. You look at Scott Walker and his time in Wisconsin uh, and how he took out the unions. And yeah, that was his thing. You look at the fact that Trump won it. Uh, I believe Ron Johnson outperformed Trump in 2016. I could be wrong about that. And then obviously the state has taken a dump since, but you think with the crime as a major issue in Wisconsin, uh, particularly as it relates to the Kenosha riots, the Waukesha Christmas parade massacre and the sentencing that just happened there, you think there would have been more fire in the belly uh, to vote Republican in Wisconsin, but the turnout was not there. What is up with these Midwest States and the turnout not being there? Well, I mean, I've heard obviously, bad on, Obviously, Wisconsin's not the is one of the more most forti electorally fortified election states in the country. They're you know top six out of fifty, uh, fifty one if you want to count DC. But DC doesn't really need to fortify their elections. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, Wisconsin's an odd case where the senator outperformed the governor, um, as far as like. You know, you're bigger, like uh, you have Joe Lombardo outperforming Laxalt in Nevada, um, Carrie Lake outperforming Masters, the same with Kemp in Georgia outperforming Walker. So you have a lot of cases where, you know, your top of the ticket outperformed the, the second 
second on the ticket. So Wisconsin was kind of a reverse, despite all the baggage with Tony Evers. Yeah. So, and the one race I didn't put on this chart was uh, Alaska. Rubio. No, Rubio. How much did Rubio get? He had forty-six million. Why on earth does Marco Rubio need forty-six million to hold a Senate seat? The guy is an. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what he started with. Uh, well, he could have had a lot of money left over from running for president that he didn't need. President, and again, he had six years. I mean, six years with the first year being twenty sixteen. So he had a presidential cycle. He raised money in on the pre. So, and again, he's kind of squishy. So he's a money raising machine. Uh, he went against seventy two million. So the Democrats were willing to throw money at a loser in Val Demings, and you know Republicans can't even do twelve million on. New Hampshire. Yeah, the New Hampshire race, as competitive as that was, could have been a lot more competitive had they put money into it. But I'm not sure how good of a candidate Boldick was. But again, very pathetic allocation of money. And this is not how it was in 2018. In 2018, the Republicans did a lot better at spending money. You know, they did a lot better. And the Democrats... You know, they knew where they're going to lose. They knew that I think it was like Heidi Heitkamp or whatever. They knew she was going to lose. They pretty much saw the writing on the wall for Claire McCaskill in Missouri. And that's when Josh Hawley took over. Um, so they, they knew that they were going to lose certain seats. The Democrats just knew it because the map was not in their favor. But it, in this race... I'm not sure which seats the Democrat the Democrats seem oddly confident in their chances. Like they seem pretty confident in Mark Kelly. They seem uh, they were pretty nervous about Raphael Warnock because they had to trot out a lot of conspiracies. Uh, and I'm going to call them consp- I'm going to call them conspiracies because if you're bringing in Gloria Allred, you're not serious. You know this isn't a real issue. It, you know it's a fraud when they're bringing in Gloria Allred. I mean, it's, I mean, the Democrats just flooded the ballots with cash as well as, uh, you know, ballots. So, so now that we've kind of talked, you know, about the races, a lot of the Senate races, I want to focus on Georgia for a second, because you got Brian Kemp who won decisively, and then he got a runoff election happening with, uh, Raphael Warnock and, uh, Herschel Walker. Now what, here, here's the thing. The character issues that exist for Mehmet Oz, I do not think exist for Herschel Walker. Like, I don't think Herschel Walker was a known quantity. He's I a mean, known quantity. This is like quitting on Trump because of the supposed uh, P tape or no, no, uh, the tapes, fingers, fingers. Yes, yeah, something like that. He wants to, he's very much about grabbing animals uh, that are either cats or beavers or something like that. Uh, he's very much in favor of grabbing. Women, you know, if you were if you were with Trump up until that point, you you just have no real standard. Like the moral calculation on Trump would have been made long before that if you were, you know, a, a decently ethical human being. And I feel the same way about Herschel Walker. Like if you thought that Herschel Walker's character was too much of an issue, which I'm not begrudging you for making that calculation at all, but I am going to begrudge if you made that calculation because of the October surprise that they tried to drum up because again, you should have made that calculation long before that moment. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we already know that Herschel Walker is not a good father. We already knew that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we already knew he wasn't a good father. I mean, I think you can his, go on about his, his mental for a second. His mental health claims are dubious because uh, let's be let's be real. You had uh, dissociative identity disorder. Then you played MMA for a couple like a couple bouts in mixed martial arts. Uh, then you like, but no known episodes since. I mean, again, there's a lot of shakiness with his his past. Uh, then, of course, the allegation was that he paid for an abortion, which, again, totally believable, uh, given his lifestyle at the time. But they and didn't provide had, any of the receipts. Yeah, they didn't provide they any of the receipts. They just referenced a receipt that it was you know, $800 check or something like that that said get well or something. Like, so it's they not didn't provide conclusive. the receipts because the people did not want to come on record against them. Not conclusive, but believable. Right. But that moral calculation would have already been made. Like you already knew who Herschel Walker was character wise. I don't know what this exactly changed. Yeah. I mean, and then you have like going in, he might've been a little lacking on substance, but he kind of delivered in the debate. So, you know, that was kind of neutralized a bit as far as a concern goes. So, I mean, but he had money and yeah, he had money. You know, the run Herschel run uh, message. And he gets to go on to a runoff. I think uh, I'm not sure whether I should be nervous about that or thankful that this goes on to a runoff. But he underperformed Mike uh, Brian Kemp. But Brian that was Kemp, expected. That was extremely expected. But Brian Kemp is a pretty popular governor, and this is one of the trends. This is one of the only trends across the country we saw the pro freedom governors outperformed they won re-election and there was it wasn't even close uh ron DeSantis won re-election wasn't even close pro-freedom governor brian kemp pro-freedom governor won re-election was not even close uh Kim i do Reynolds think sailed the victory think, christian uh, Nome, no one's talking about that race either because they won their races respectively and it wasn't even close i do think uh kemp might have underperformed on the ballot though I mean, I think he was probably projected to get maybe closer to 54, maybe 55%. So he did kind of underperform expectations. Maybe he turned off a lot of MAGA bros over 2020. But so here's that, the thing. Uh, you know, we're talking about a mighty fortified election stream. Georgia, you know, passed some election laws. And these election laws were so controversial that the Major League Baseball wanted to pull their events from uh they wanted to pull their events from uh, Georgia, from the Atlanta Braves stadium. They wanted to pull their events. And despite that, you know, Brian Kemp held his ground. He fought and the Braves won a world series after that, I believe. And then uh, Brian Kemp went on the cruise for reelection. Uh, Marie Marie uh, t- uh, says, except Whitmer. And I think there's a clarification that I should make is that the pro lockdown governors also won. The pro-freedom governors were rewarded. The pro-lockdown governors were not punished. There's kind of two things going on at the same time. There was not a pro-freedom candidate that beat a pro-lockdown governor, except maybe coming up in uh, the state of Nevada. You could see that type of activity happen. And back to Georgia, uh, Formosan Black Bear says Georgia has a strong cater organization maybe carter uh 
and Andy Stanley is also there. And Andy Stanley was brought in to talk at the Georgia State Assembly. He was like a chaplain for a service. And it was a rhino senator or rhino politician that brought him in, which is just completely unsurprising that a rhino Republican looks up to Andy Stanley. Just, you know, because theologically liberals, theologically liberal people generally aren't politically conservative. That's just a fact. Uh, except, you know, maybe uh, there are some exceptions to that because, you know, a lot of people are accidentally theologically liberal, but they're not as theologically liberal as they could be. You know, they they might not have a robust theology, but they're not as whack as Andy Stanley because uh, he's hardcore theological liberal. Very unhitched. Uh, very unhitched. But. You know, Brian Kemp stood his ground and he passed some election integrity laws. And that, I think, is going to be a major factor moving forward in our discussion for 2024. So put a pin on that. We're going to talk. We're going to bust out a map for 2024 uh, later in the stream. So moving west, uh, we could talk about Michigan. Tudor Dixon just disappointed. And it, again, Whitmer was powerful. She was a powerful candidate. Uh, she shouldn't be as popular as she is, but she's a witch and she casts a spell on people and they like her or something like that. Black people in particular. Oh, that's yeah. 6% turnout for Tudor Dixon. I mean, that's like Donald Trump with women, black women numbers. And that's what she got, including the men. So yeah, I mean, it's really bad. Absolutely crap to bed with minorities. And I, I'm not, again, she was an upset. That would have been an upset for her to win. So Gretchen Whitmer winning re-election, as painful as it is to admit, is pretty expected. And the abortion ballot, which you kind of talked about at the beginning of the stream, uh, not surprising either. It's disappointing, but it's not surprising. Uh, Michigan would have been a win for the pro-life movement, but we couldn't sustain that win against this uh, because Michigan had a pre-existing ban, which they fought to overturn. I mean, it was us getting a win to make abortion temporarily or potentially illegal in Michigan, but uh, it was not to last because Michigan's a blue state. It is a blue state. We we can't forget that. Trump, and we're going to debate whether what he did in 2016 was a runoff, 2016 slash 2020 was a one-off or one-and-a-half-off, or is a real realignment in the Republican Party. So we're going to have that debate in a second. Uh, after we go through some of these states. So Wisconsin, again, that was a huge disappointment. I, I It was at Tony Michaels. It was Michaels. And Tim he just Michaels. Tim Michaels, he completely underperformed. Uh, he should have upset Evers. And again, uh, Evers was a pro-lockdown candidate, but I believe the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, basically struck down lockdowns. So Wisconsin was relatively free for much of 2020 and 2021. They're relatively free because the Supreme Court of Wisconsin put the kibosh on a lot of Evers' agenda. And I think to some degree that spared Evers. But at the end of the day, you know, the American people are very unforgiving of lockdowns in some capacity. And in some capacities, because there, you know, there was some mobilization. A lot of people moved to Florida. A lot of people moved out of New York. Uh, New York, Lee Zeldin. Uh, that's actually a good. He did great there. I I don't think we can undersell that. 
he did a great job. He was always going to be a long shot. You're talking about a one-party state. This is a state that going into this election, the New York Democrats had a super majority in the House, in their in the state legislature. They had a super majority. I mean, as far as they Wisconsin, broke that, they broke as, the super majority. As far as uh, Wisconsin goes, I mean, it looks like it, the big difference in that state is men versus women. That's a good example of the masculinization versus feminization. Yeah, the the real Battling political realignment. That is. That's Wisconsin. That's that was essentially the story there is that women broke hard for Evers. Um, it looks like white women because the state's pretty much uh, white, eighty five percent white. It's like you know England, fifty nine percent white men, Evers or Michaels against fifty one percent white women, and then the min- a lot of the minorities broke hard on on uh, Evers, and you don't really see this Hispanic realignment because that was one of the narratives going in is that Biden lost a Hispanic vote. And it just does not appear that, you know, you see in a lot of these states that Republicans actually performed well with Hispanics. They didn't. DeSantis does, but that's a different, you know. I mean, how much have we talked about Florida? Because obviously Ron DeSantis crushed it and he actually made that a red state and super red. He brought people to vote for the Republican Party. And let's also mention that he did election integrity laws. That was one of the things that Ron DeSantis did do. He did election integrity. He pretty much curbed the power of Broward County. Uh, I mean, he lost. He created what, like five. an election police force and or election integrity enforcement as well. He like he used you had cameras, people on camera being arrested for voter fraud in Florida. You saw that. So he, he delivered on that. And that, again, election integrity is job security or election security is job security. You know, there's a sports metaphor that ball security is job security with running backs. Well, election security is job security. Republicans uh, learn. I that. mean, you know, there wasn't a red wave and, you know, shenanigans plus, you know, Mitch, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy not backing their candidates nationwide. But. Yeah, Ron DeSantis delivered the, his red wave. Four seats. He did his house. job. He did his part. So, what, a quarter, like 20% or something ridiculous of the seats that you know Republicans flipped are Ron DeSantis. You're welcome. So, that's because he, he, uh, he netted four. So, I don't know what the exact. I, I want to say is. Florida does have some pretty strict uh, mail in voting requirements. And again, they had their votes counted in one night, the sang. And so the next state, let's talk about Kansas briefly, because that's, I believe that was a case where a former Republican ran as a Democrat. And, and governor? Or? Yes, as governor. And that's why they have a, that's why their Democrat governor, I believe, won re-election. But Kansas is a very libertine state. It's need they, they need Jesus down there for sure. It is bleeding Kansas all over again. And yet the MAGA MAGA won down ballot. So that's kind of all that's to really talk about with Kansas. I mean, just lock me down harder, daddy, is kind of because you have Laura Kelly, who's a lockdown governor. Uh, lost. Uh, she won by 2%. Where's that? Oh, uh, what? Oh, you're talking about uh, Oregon, right? Uh, 
Kansas. Kansas? Okay. I'm not sure. And then Oklahoma had some very good down ballot results in Oklahoma, despite the fact that their Republican is uh, a turd governor uh, who, you know, that that's just, who's kind of held back the pro-life movement a little bit. But uh, Texas, Greg Abbott, I think, did pretty well, all things considered, considering he's not super popular. But again, he's not super unpopular either. If you saw the Texas primary results, he knows how to play the game. That's for sure. He knows he how, knows to, how to play the game. He knows how to dangle a shiny object. Uh, obviously, he it's... knows how to fall in line after Ron DeSantis. Just wait a couple of weeks. I mean, I guess part of the idea that it's a, the Hispanic vote flipping was a fluke is Maya Flores losing down in uh, in her district. That was a one-off. She won a special election. Yeah. And, you know. No... She won a special election in a district that voted Biden plus 12. So, I mean, you know, people thought that she was, was not a... going to hold that. That, that would have been a hard hold. Yeah. And she already sold out. So, I see Maya Flores probably running for a state office next because she can't win where she lives. That's just me. But you did get uh, Monica De La Cruz, uh, and then a couple districts over, I, I, I guess. Yeah, and Beto O'Rourke has completely flopped for like the third time. He's lost an election. Yeah, and you know, pretty you great. Can kind of <laughs> see the disappointment as he recedes to forty under yeah, forty four percent. Maybe. And what was the last? The last person that ran against Greg Abbott, man, was it abortion Barbie? That they ran for governor against Greg Abbott. Something like that. It was abortion Barbie. That's what Rush Limbaugh called her. And he had to. And I I get. It wasn't Sandra Fluke. Which she should not have ever apologized for calling her a slut. But uh, it was abortion Barbie. I think is what he called her. And she ran against Greg Abbott. I think. uh, And got crushed. So. uh, Moving west. We have Colorado. In which. And this in Colorado is an interesting state because they ran rhinos. Uh, you cannot accuse this of being a MAGA disappointment. The Republicans in Colorado underperformed, but they were rhinos. You're talking about a uh, a blue anon candidate for senator completely underperforms, gets blown out of the water. Lauren, Lauren Boebert is in a tough, heated neck and neck counting currently. I believe Lauren Boebert has taken the lead now. So she might eke out a narrow victory in a disappointing. uh, Yeah, they have her up by a little uh, 60 some votes or something. Or, yeah, that's maybe 140 or something like that. It looks. And I don't want to see her lose, but at the same time, she says some ridiculously maybe heretical, maybe just extremely errant errant statements let's just say Uh, i'm gonna be as generous because i can't think of the specific example so i'm gonna say extremely theologically errant statements and she needs to find a good church that will actually disciple her leave it at that but uh colorado is a blue state we just gotta accept that it's a blue state uh it's been californicated i mean that was one of the seats that republicans lost in 2020 was the california for uh, California seat. Another thing to point out is Huckabee's daughter won in governor as governor of Arkansas, which was expected when she won the primary, but she was not the best candidate in the primary. As I mean, recall. I thought I thought Dan Washburn was better. Huckabee's gonna be obviously an upgrade from Asa Hutchinson, but Asa Hutchinson, the fake Christian, 
Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Huckabee kind of just makes you want to beat your head into a wall as well. Cause she, I mean, she literally wrote a whole op-ed in July of 2021 saying, please take the jab. Uh, jab me so, harder. Yeah. Jab me harder in 2021. And that just, again, in her past, she has no qualifications. She got that seat because of her name recognition and, you know, she worked for Trump. So, I mean, you didn't get the best candidate for the job, but you might have someone that'll follow the lead of maybe a DeSantis. They have a really good state legislature in Arkansas. Yes. So, so that will that will lead the way. I mean, they overrode Asa Hutchinson's veto because apparently they only need a simple majority to override a veto in Arkansas. It's really crazy. And Asa Hutchinson is pro mutilating kids, and you know they have to uh, override him on that one. I mean, so, no one's really talking about her being a rock star, but I think she could be like a follow the leader, you know, disciple kind of. Speaking of rock governor. stars, uh, Rand Paul cruised the victory pretty easily. No shocker there. Uh, and they and the liberal media, they hate Rand Paul. Oh, this is a good question. Ray, which politicians do you think are born again Christians? James Lankford is at the top of my list. I can't remember who that is for a second. I, I I don't think that Lauren Boebert's not born again. I think she might be poorly discipled. I'm I'm gonna be kind about that. Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Green, I might also put in that same category. Uh I'm trying to think. I don't think Ted Cruz is not a Christian, so I, I would say Ted Cruz is probably a Christian. I just think again, he's in the corrupt environment of Washington, DC. I'm trying to think. Because I mean, there's a lot of like congressmen. A, maybe like a Chip Roy. Um, Chip Roy, yeah, that, that'd be another example. In, uh, uh, Massey. Of Texas. I don't know maybe. if Thomas Massey is a Christian. Much, or not. Again, I don't know too much about these people to really in their personal lives. Uh, Langford is a senator from OK. Well, man, why doesn't Oklahoma have better senators? Uh, ben Sass is kind of like your Mike Pence. Like I would have thought that Ben Sass was a faithful Christian a long time ago, and then he is. He doesn't have it. He's not meant for politics. And maybe that's his thing. He's not meant for politics. But, uh, and then Asa Hutchinson ran to MSNBC. And again, he's kind of like Mike Pence. And again, Mike Pence, I don't think is a believer. I just, you know, how do you sell out so many times? Because again, the Bible talks about people who are frauds among us being motivated by money. So they will sell you out. They will sell the gospel out. How has Mike Pence not done that? Uh, and then, uh, so naming Christians in the U.S. Senate, in the U.S. Senate, very difficult. In the House, it would probably be a lot easier because you got 435 names. And I'm sure uh, there's a lot more going on there, uh, faith-wise. Uh, moving west, we were on Texas uh, Oklahoma, we covered uh, New Mexico. That was a disappointment for me. I really thought the Hispanic realignment would be yeah, more real, mean, and his and I believe the Republicans lost a Congress seat, a House seat in uh, New Mexico. So we lost the House seat. So that's disappointing. And I, I thought Ron Chetty was going to win that gubernatorial race. I thought hey, this was the year that a Republican would win the governor's seat of new mexico and we could start making new mexico a competitive uh 
state once again. They have five votes to offer in the Electoral College, and we need them put to use. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah that's another case of uh, you're not backing your candidates. It's on the down ballot. Odds are I'm willing to bet Vasquez in District 2 had more money than Harrell. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but, you know, if I had to actually, I could probably just look it up right now. Oh, okay. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to answer this question. What are your thoughts on Trump promoting Kenneth Copeland, Paula White, and Joel Osteen? Now, I don't know about the last one just because I haven't seen him promote Joel Osteen, but Paula White, I, I, again, a lot of negative thoughts on that one. And it just goes to show that Trump has no theological discernment. I wrote an article about this over the weekend or going into Monday because I haven't done a whole lot of videos because of this election, because, you know, I figured people are going to watch that instead. So I'm, let me take a little breather here. Uh, but what are uh, Kenneth Copeland? Yeah, I covered that. It was cringe. And even Trump looked uncomfortable with how much liberty that Copeland took with the mic after, you know, he, he had the mic and it's like, OK, give it back now. Give it back now. <laughs> So Trump did not want to give Kenneth. I mean, uh, surprisingly, the he race probably was, won't give Kenneth Copeland the mic again. I mean, surprisingly, uh, that House race was equal. But again, then, at the end of the day, you got to put money into your candidates. Which, which House race in New Mexico? The New Mexico flip. I mean, I wanted but, multiple flips in New Mexico. Uh, Trump asked Pratt to pay, pray for him, and again, I think that's because of the church size. Because Trump has a tendency to believe that audience size is indicative of how good you are as a pastor. And yeah. David Platt is a mega church in his area, and he was just stopping by. It was unplanned, uh, from what I understand. Uh, and uh, Brycor, who's been very pro-Trump in the chat, he says, the problem, Ray, is that Trump surrounds himself with heretics who claim to be Christian. And, uh, yeah, I, Platt, not Pratt. If I said Pratt, then I was going along with the, the chat's misspelling. Uh, no, Chris Pratt is not a pastor. David Platt is, uh, though, but and shouldn't be, by the way. But uh, yeah, Trump does surround himself with heretics because he does not hire the best and only the best. So moving west, Arizona, we've now gotten our oh, way and to New Arizona. Mexico, New Mexico had a, or wait, they had a ballot measure of some sort. Did they? Uh, maybe Montana did as well. So Montana had a uh, born alive protection act as a ballot measure. And even that failed, it got like 56% rejected a ballot measure to protect, uh, post-born babies from botched abortions. I don't I mean, know why that's a ballot measure though. That shouldn't be a New ballot Mexico measure. Mexico in particular. Um, I really want New Mexico to become a Republican state. I really, I really want them to be red. I'm not sure if I would ever live there because I'm not into turquoise or anything like that, but, uh, okay. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, misspelling, uh, Pratt. I, I get, I get it or Platt, but with Pratt now just call it an Asian accent or something. And we'll, we'll, uh, move on from this. <laughs> but, uh, so Arizona is where we get a lot of activity. And Arizona just, they're taking a break. They just, they, they need a breather. They're going to take a break. And I guess we'll have some memes because we're going to do meme review tonight. And uh, Arizona just doesn't, you know, they, they got to take a break. But here's the thing. Here's the the white pill here is that the same thing happened in the two, in the primary election. They just took a break. They don't want to count the votes. They're too lazy to do it. They just take a break. 
because they're really fortified there. It is a very it is a mighty fortified election in Arizona. Uh, going back to the name of the stream, and they took a break. But the remaining votes, I believe, are mostly election day votes, and those votes so far have skewed so heavily Republican. That is why Carrie Lake is, I believe she's going to win. But just as important as Carrie Lake winning is the voter ID ballot measure in Arizona, which is performing about the same as Carrie Lake. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, yeah, very much in line. It's 49.2 and I think she's 49.3. So, so if Carrie Lake wins, presumably this ballot measure on voter ID will also win and the election integrity of Arizona will be solidified and that'll be great. That'll be huge uh, for your 2024 implications, which we're going to talk about 2024 because, you know, we got a lot to discuss in this stream tonight. So that's huge. And the question is, does uh, Blake Masters ride the coattails hard enough? And I don't I'm still optimistic. See it. I, I don't see it at this point. I, I feel very, uh, maybe I'm just black pilled, but, and yeah, I'm seeing her lead kind of escalate to 26,000. And there's about 539 left. Who's lead? Uh, uh, Hobbs. Wait, okay. She's, yeah, I think the most of the votes remaining are election day votes, and those will skew so heavily. Um, those might break 70. 30 in favor of ha uh in favor of lake and if True. Lake masters can just get you know if he can get like two-thirds if he can get like 62 or percent of that then he should cruise to victory as well so again blake masters should have been more funded yeah i mean that's a clear example of you gotta fund that your candidates and, and uh have you ever seen a channel called free the states as a channel as a youtube channel no i'm familiar with the website organization <laughs> And I believe I'm um, Twitter buddies with one of their writers uh, as well. So I'm very familiar with Free of the States and they're, they're great. Uh, moving west, I, uh, Nevada had some really good candidates and the Democrat infrastructure in Nevada appears to be falling apart. I mean, it is lo long gone are the days of Harry Reid. And... I think Republicans, again, working class messaging appeals to these people. Oh, they that brought might have in pros. Been a case where economic messaging actually worked. won the day, given that Nevada is very tourist driven. So you had a huge, you know, economic and collapse. Both and Republicans was... are currently in the lead. Yeah. I mean, so, and what when... you really wanted to see was Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is, a very narrow gap in Clark County. If uh, Lombardo and Laxaw can keep it tight in Clark County, they don't have to win Clark County, but they got to keep it close. Like they got to win within the spread. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a football spread. They got to win this They or lose within the spread or win Clark County and they win the state. That's basically how it works because Las Vegas is basically the state of Nevada uh, for all intents and purposes. But again, so, that's that is you know that's that's your Mitch McConnell impact right there. Is so, Oregon's the next state I want to talk about because, uh, that's a state where you had a three-way split for governor, 
But let's be real. The Democrats saw that they're going to lose. They saw the writing on the wall and they're a hive mind. We talked about that with Pennsylvania. They don't care about nominating a vegetable because a vegetable is part of the hive and the vegetable is going to do what the hive wants. So the same thing happened in Oregon. They entertained a third party candidate that was polling above 10%, was polling 15 maybe even 18% as a third party. They saw that this meant that a Republican was going to get elected in Oregon. And they said, we're out of here. We're, and let's unite. Let's, let's stop the folly and let's come back, come home to the hive. And the Democrats rallied around. Was it Kate Brown or Kelly um, or something? No, it's, it looks like Tina Kotick. Okay. So they rallied around the Democrat a- candidate and just crushed it and just crushed and delivered a huge disappointment to the Republicans there. So that happened. And well, that's not surprising thing, because they're a hive mind. Democrats are a hive mind. So Oregon, I mean, if you're in Oregon, you got to pack up your bags and leave. Uh, they just increased. Or start their, a state. Yeah, they passed a gun. Re- they passed gun reform and they passed abortion. So those two ballot measures outperformed the governor. Or you got to start your... East Oregon secession movement. That is also acceptable. So that, yeah, I would start there. If that doesn't succeed, maybe no, I'm not going to suggest a succession uh, movement, kind of like a Lexington and Concord secession movement, you know, uh, start out with West Virginia, have an ammunition silo somewhere and just hope that they send their dogs to to get it. (laughs) You know, Lexington and Concord, you know, read a history book. That's yes, what so you guys that, need out in Oregon. And yeah, then, but you look, guys at, look at West Virginia your... as your inspiration because they should do a secession movement. So that's my uh, advice. Otherwise, pack up Oregon. and leave because yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's move to Idaho, dollars. reinforce Moscow, Idaho. Doug Wilson needs your backup because they can't win a town elections there. So uh, next state is California. Anything out of California that's interesting? I can't say I followed California at all. Gavin Newsom cruised the victory, unsurprisingly. Yeah, I mean, he passed his recall. Uh, I mean, he wasn't running against uh, uh, Larry Elder this time. I mean, let me just look at the house to see if there's anything interesting there. I mean, Young Kim might have kept her seat. Uh, And meanwhile, Alaska is the last state worth talking about. And Alaska uh, looks like the Republicans will hold the governorship there. But... Murkowski, in my opinion, is going to remain a senator in the United States. I don't see the ranked choice voting breaking for uh, Shabaka. Yeah, I mean, Young Kim cruised. Um, Calvert Steele. So your, your thoughts on the Alaska situation? I mean, yeah, ranked choice voting. I mean, who needs shenanigans when you get ranked choice voting? I mean. Because the Democrats will just have Murkowski as number two because uh, she'll vote for all the spend, uh, same spending bills. And... Uh, Formos and Black Bear says that they removed the sheriff that was friendly with Grace Community Church. Unshocking. Unshocking. Again, I don't. I think California is one of those states. You just get out. Um, I mean, yeah, you want to. I'm in Maryland, but and I uh, want to. I'm looking for relocation mistresses. So if, I mean, you know, you're you're in California. You get you're already getting raked over the coals on taxes. So you, you might as well leave. I mean, I mean, only thirty percent, thirty seven percent of Maryland are willing to vote for a conservative like me. So, and 
if you got enough equity in your house, you don't need to worry as much about the interest rates being 7% for a fixed 30 year fixed. So you got options in California, not so much for Maryland. Cause if you hop South of the river, real estate's a little bit higher. And, uh, so we, we've talked about this and I think, uh, I think we've covered the election, the results as of now, uh, the Republicans, aren't looking at more than 230 uh, seats in the house. I was predicting the Republicans would get around 246, 244 ish uh, house seats. And I thought that they would get 53 senators. This would not include New Hampshire. I thought Oz would win though. Not that I would have supported him, but I thought he was going to win because of the vegetable factor. But I really shouldn't be surprised that Democrats would vote for a vegetable as I, discussed a little ad nauseum. So let's talk about the Trump DeSantis backlash. This is going to get a little heated, but Trump versus DeSantis. And I, I put the subheading as Trump got a little SDE, uh, which is small DeSantis energy, if you know what I'm saying. So there, there's been a lot of murmurs and Trump is just, I, I there's, there's just no other way to to point this out, these are some beta statements that he is making. I'm going to find my gab on this and pull it up because obviously I just did not have that ready. Now, uh, if you, I really, I'll let you do that. Uh, if you were, if I, if this was me a week ago at this time, I would have been higher, high on Trump saying, you know, he delivers, you know, you get this red tsunami that's primed for Trump going into a 2020 for cycle his stock would be very high coming out of this it's almost a disappointment because yeah even though you had all these other factors working against him trump is became much of the story going into the primary cycle so trump has made a lot of is making absolute diss tracks on desantis out in the wide open and for no provocation let's be real there is no provocation for uh the sde statements like this and this is just one statement now that Trump or now that the election in Florida is over and everything went quite well. Shouldn't it be said that in 2020, I got 1.1 million more votes in Florida than Ron D got this year, 5.7 million to 5. or to 4.6 million. Just asking. That's a post I presume on Truth Social. And this is just such a bad comparison this is a midterm election so the turnout's not going to be as high second of all you won florida in large part because of the election integrity that Ron DeSantis helped implement like he he maintained that and you grew in florida in part because of that you couldn't you didn't have, have broward county playing broward county games uh because of Ron DeSantis and you should be thankful for that uh Otherwise, this is unprovoked. This is complete jealousy and manchildness. There's not a good reason for this. What is the innocent explanation for this tweet? Uh, insecurity, or the uh, two That's not more years, two more yeah, years. two more years chanting. Who's ever heard a two more years chant after someone won election for a four-year term? That doesn't happen. And earlier today, there's also. Uh, I'm going to pull up that tweet uh, and this was a statement that Donald Trump put out 
So I'm going to pull it up right now. This is a statement that he put out earlier tonight. So I, I don't know if you can read that, but uh, new, Trump goes after Fox News and much of the rest of the media for promoting Ron DeSantis. But here's here's what he says. It's just completely ironic. Uh he calls Ron DeSantis an average Republican governor, which is nonsense, in which Go- Governor Ron Sanctimonious, an average Republican governor with a great public relations who didn't have to close up his state, but did, unlike other Republican governors whose overall numbers for a Republican were just average, middle of the pack, including covid okay can we just pause? Average, can we just pause right there uh, the, let's pause on the covid part on the great gaslight of donald j trump who bashed brian kemp for opening up his state in april and wants to have the balls to call out desantis for locking down like a semi-lockdown or whatever i thought the bashing of brian kemp happened in may but let's not remember that he turned 15 days to slow the spread to 30 days like Bro, this is the same thing as Hochul pretending that like, like how many how many Democrats were saying, oh, this is Charlie Crist. I mean, literally, Ron DeSantis dealt with this with Charlie Crist uh, trying to slap him for locking down the state. I mean, come on, like, and Ron DeSantis said the worst thing he ever did was listen to Fauci. And Ron DeSantis actually, here's where I give grace to Ron DeSantis. He repented. He publicly repented of lockdowns. No other governor has. Like this is COVID None. amnesty. That's we want COVID amnesty. Except I'm know. willing to extend COVID amnesty to the first two governor, first two politicians that repent. The first two, because one, you know, the first person to do it is brave. The first follower of the person to do it is brave. The second is not brave. So there is no bravery in being the third person or the second follower. There's no bravery in that. So. Uh, the next part that he says is who had the advantage, who has the advantage of sunshine, all caps, where people from badly run states up north, he capitalizes north, only the south gets capitalized, uh, would go no matter who the governor was, just like I did. And, you know, he did move south, which was a strategically wise decision of Trump, because, you know, I'd rather be charged down south than up north. Uh, it, you know, in terms of fighting the courts, would much rather not do that in New York or DC. Uh, so he goes on to diss Ron DeSantis in 2018. But here's the thing here's the thing, and this is one of the points that I make in the only article that I've really written on the election, and that was, uh, Ron DeSantis has been criticized by people like Red Eagle Politics, by people like, uh, you know, a the lot Zoomers, of your MAGA bros, Zoomer a lot of your MAGA, MAGA bros, bros are going after DeSantis. They go after DeSantis. Uh, that that statement was also mirrored on Trump's official troops social account, so it was not faked. Uh, from what I've seen, the Ron DeSantis has been criticized for not being an election overperformer. Well, that criticism of Ron DeSantis is out of the water now. And for the record, he outperformed Marco Rubio by about 2%. And Marco Rubio, extremely electable. He is election candy. Like, that's who Marco Rubio is. Extremely electable. And that was his sales pitch for 
the sales pitch of Marco Rubio in 2016 was he's electable. And obviously, you know, electable has many different meanings. Trump turned out to be very electable. So I want to, uh, I kind of want to focus on 2024 for a second here, because this is a great way to frame the whole Trump versus DeSantis debate, because we need to have this debate. Trump has already launched several. This is like the fourth attack that Trump has launched against Ron DeSantis unprovoked unprovoked and this isn't going to stop and we're going to have a very ugly primary season because Ron DeSantis is going to run and I think he would be a fool not to run if he ever wants to be president now if Ron DeSantis has no presidential aspirations then he doesn't need to run but if Ron DeSantis wants to be president he needs to run in 2024 and he needs to beat Trump he's got because in 2028 he has the cash he has the popularity this is his moment. He cannot wait his turn and think that it's going to happen in 2028. He's going to miss the boat. Uh, Mike Huckabee is not president for a reason. Also because he did a very stupid thing, and I'm going to skip 2012 and come back in 2016. Dumb move if you wanted to be president ever. Um, so Donald uh, – this is an interesting note to bring up is that uh, Donald Trump betrayed Jeff Sessions and Mo Brooks. The J in Donald J. Trump stands for Judas. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're right about the, uh, the Mo Brooks part. Jeff Sessions, I think, betrayed Donald Trump. I mean, let's in my be opinion, real. Jeff Sessions was a complete paperweight as uh, attorney general. He should have left Jeff Sessions in the Senate because he was a good senator. I mean, that's. I mean, you don't take a senator and throw him into office. and into Unless your you're going to do, uh, maybe you can because attorney general is a powerful position. You know, Merrick Garland certainly knows that. But I mean, Jeff Sessions wasn't willing to wield the power. He wasn't he, willing to wield the power. And again, the FBI, Not. I mean, again, goes back to Trump. He, all this talk that, you know, the system's against him and him draining the swamp. He's the only one. He put Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, in, in his current office right now. So, but I mean, Sessions wasn't exactly draining the swamp of uh, James yeah. Comey and all that. Uh, I'm trying to figure out whether I need to do the. Uh... So let's let's pull up the map because I think DeSantis is actually a much stronger candidate for 2020, and here's why. Uh, we're we're going to pull up. So the... you're saying Trump's a, a stronger candidate? No, Trump is a weaker candidate for 2020. Oh, 2024. 2024. Sorry. So this is the map. Uh, so man, let me actually zoom that in a little bit because this is some weak zoom in action. That help at all? I, so I've, it's I'm, currently two sixty nine to two sixty nine uh, for the electoral college. This is the current. Uh, let's this. There's two underlying assumptions here, and that is the Republicans will win Nevada and the Republicans will win Arizona here in 2022. Underlying assumptions, and I think both of those are extremely possible. That doesn't necess- necessitate Kerry Lake wins, but it necessitates. It does necessitate that Kerry Lake wins. It doesn't necessitate that Blake Masters wins. I got that backwards. but And it also necessitates that that ballot measure on voter ID passes. 
because I think that voter ID law in Arizona will make Arizona a red state in 2024. Change my mind because this is your current map because I do not think we will win Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. I think those states are, I think, uh, so this is what we need to look at. This is the math we need to look at. Well, what are the states we can win in 2024? If you go and back, what are the states where the elections are so fortified, a mighty election, a mighty fortified election in our state, and which states have a mighty fortified election? Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Well, turn Nevada blue for a second, and the Republicans will uh, go back to boom. So this this was the Hillary Clinton plan right here. Um, obviously, she believed that she was going to win. She puts Tim Kaines as her vice president nominee. So she can win Florida or no, Virginia. 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 Because she didn't think Trump would win PA, Michigan, Wisconsin. And obviously, she didn't think he would win Florida um, and Arizona. So this is the Hillary Clinton road to victory that didn't happen. So the traditional plan was you had to win uh, Florida, North Carolina, Virginia, Ohio. That was the old that was the old Bush Obama. That was their map. That was their road path. Yeah, because so, this is a blue wall up here. So, uh, let's actually turn that red for a second. Uh, this is the Trump plan. No, he had Arizona in 16. Uh, yeah, he had Arizona in 2016. So this is the Trump plan, right? Uh, does this look achievable in 20, in 2024? And I would say no, a hard no. Does uh, anyone harsh, think that, and let me know if you're in your, you're in the chat. Do you think that this is an, achie an achievable map in 2024? This is 297 to 241. Well, he had Georgia or in, uh, uh sorry, I, I should have Georgia as well. Let me add Georgia. And 313 to 225. Is this an achievable map? And can Trump achieve this? Because I don't think the answer is yes. I think the answer is a hard no. He cannot achieve this. I do I not think he's winning Michigan again. I do not think he's winning Pennsylvania again. Or, and, you know, I, I believe, you know, Trump uh, won Pennsylvania certainly in 2016 and beyond. But again, Pennsylvania literally said that we're going to take weeks to count our election here in 2022 and then did not. Strange, right? Because they didn't need to. Why yeah, didn't I mean, they need to? I certainly recall uh, in 2016, Pennsylvania was one of the shockers on election night, not after I think election if Trump, night. I think if Trump's the nominee in 2024... Uh, that's the best we can do. You, I you think, think that Georgia, is Georgia. You think Georgia's loss? I mean, it doesn't matter, but loss you, for Trump, yes. If pick fights with the governor, he's very popular there. Uh, uh, Scott Walker will still have some say. Like, what say did he have in 2020? I, I mean, again, this has more to do with 
election integrity versus election fortification. Well, I mean, is Scott Walker still forced in Wisconsin? Because I think isn't he Beltway now? Like, no idea. I but thought he works. He's in the, the Beltway. The now, key so. issue here is election fortification versus election integrity. I think Georgia has election. Oh, well, Georgia has election integrity. Maybe we can flip Georgia back and say that this is a factor, but it still doesn't change the map. Uh, the, it makes well, it 269 to 269. Uh, but who knows? Because again, Nevada, we don't have election integrity yet. So we are being hopeful there. But even if we want to give Nevada, which Trump has never won. So actually, we really shouldn't give him Nevada. He's never won Nevada or he didn't win it in 2016. If he repeats his, like, this is the election integrity path to Trump. I do not think he's winning this, the Rust Belt, or other than Ohio and Indiana. I do not think he, he's breaking this northern wall here. He's not breaking it. I don't think so. And I'm, I'm eager to see some debate over that uh, because we need to have these debates now. This is the time to have these debates. Uh, yeah, I would think Wisconsin's the weak link, but so, but neither would DeSantis. This is where I would disagree. I think DeSantis has a stronger path to victory in 2024 with the electoral college. Well, for starters, Nevada. I think Nevada goes to in play. I so let me get the DeSantis map. DeSantis is not going to crack this wall here. I don't think he's going to win Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. These were states that Trump won. These are states and voters that he appealed to uniquely. Uh, and they did not turn out these same, the same people that were MAGA in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, or specifically Michigan and Pennsylvania did not MAGA for, uh, Tudor Dixon, uh, and, uh, Doug Maestriano, Mehmet Oz, which I don't blame them. And John James finally won. So DeSantis, I think the map looks a little different. Well, he could put Virginia in play. I that I was going to get there, Which, but here, here we are at two sixty nine to two sixty nine election integrity path with DeSantis. Two sixty nine to two sixty nine Republicans currently control the House, but I'm not. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's the incoming delegation that determines the president, and they vote by state delegation which would basically be a reforming of the electoral college in a sense in the house. And I believe the Republicans would still win that because it, you're reforming the electoral college and the Republicans could have more uh, congressmen in a state like Virginia or Wisconsin or maybe Pennsylvania. I don't know, but it would depend on how many Republicans versus Democrats are in each of these states in, in the Congress. So th this is the point that I'm making. I think that DeSantis, this is his minimum, I think. DeSantis does not have broad support nationwide. He will be called a Nazi and a homophobe and everything else. Why? Because there's an R next to his name. And you're right. Because he has an R next to his name, he will be called all those things. So is Trump in 2016. It did not stop him from winning. No, I think Romney the biggest for, I mean, Romney, uh, McCain. Like, no, no, they're not going to call Trump, uh, DeSantis a Nazi. They're going to call him an anti-Semite. That's, that's, that's the route they're going to go because they, that's the route they're shifting to right now. If you And I'm really betting on that, that one district in Maine. 
this main second congressional district. I'm really betting on that one, but I think this is the floor for DeSantis. And I do think that DeSantis does have nationwide support. And because here's what I think DeSantis can do. I think he puts Virginia back in play. Virginia has a lot of Hispanics. What was the sales pitch for the Democrats to oppose Glenn Youngkin? The Democrats ran campaign ads for Glenn Youngkin. Why? Because they called him. They said that he was a Ron DeSantis of Virginia. They said he was going to Ron DeSantis, Virginia. Or, and maybe they also call him the Donald Trump of Virginia as well. But I think they attacked him basically comparing him to Ron DeSantis, despite the fact that Glenn Youngkin goes to a woke church. This guy is theologically liberal. He's woke. Glenn Youngkin is woke. Well, but he's an opportunist. He's malleable. Yeah, but Virginia has a Latino community. And, you know, I'm not saying Florida's communities would translate nationwide, but you might get a little bit rubbing off. He got 58% of the Hispanic vote in Florida. And yeah, you got a disproportionate Cuban population, but 58%. Venezuelans are also pro-Republican, I believe. And then you had 13% 13 black, which again, you know, if the Republicans can get 13% black vote nationwide, they're winning handily. And the problem is, you know, I mean, yeah, that's not, you're probably not going to get that in a Michigan, but you might get 10, maybe. Yeah, I think with DeSantis, uh, Virginia's in play because again, where are many of the Republicans who would not vote for Trump? Where do many of those people live? And I'm talking about like the conservatives. They live in D.C. Beltway area. I think DeSantis does a lot better in the suburbs of Fairfax County and London, Loudoun County. That's a county, right? Not a city. Um, he does a lot. Yeah, that that's the one with the embarrassing school council meetings, uh, the national attention. So, I mean, I DeSantis think didn't DeSantis put with Virginia youths. back in play. Um, he did. He did not. Like some he of did not. Others. Okay, it was only fifty-four percent against him. So here we are back to talking about you know BDE, Big DeSantis e- energy here, and only seven percent of Florida's voting is Cuban. To just you know make sure that's out in the open as far as the disclaimer goes. So yeah, this is what you're not going to get at most like overtly Christian channels is this type of an election analysis. But this is the analysis we need. Is because DeSantis has a pathway to victory without replicating what Trump did in 2016, because I don't think you can replicate that because they're wise to it now. They fortified those elections in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Wisconsin. They're fortifying them. And maybe they don't want Trump to happen again. Maybe he cracks one of them. Maybe. I mean, I'm giving the I'm trying to do a floor analysis for DeSantis. We did the floor, which was 269 to 269. In which case the Republicans would win. I think the Republicans win if it's 269 to 269. Because they would have if Trump got 269, but he didn't. And, you know, I I don't, I believe Trump was screwed. I do. But we have to elect a president that has a pathway to victory that is not screwed. We don't want to go into the same trap because they've laid a trap there. We don't want to go into the same trap. So 
you know, Ron DeSantis easily wins Florida. I think he wins Georgia because he's more popular with women. We don't have to win women, but we can't lose them 60 to 40. We can't lose women 60 to 40 like that. We we got to do a little bit better with women because that's where the political realignment is. Uh, those who support masculinity and femininity and those who don't. And those oh, who support there's also the femininity and androgyny. We need to... Uh, there's... Also we need a the, real alpha male to make the beta males fall in line. Well, there's also just the idea that uh, the, a lot of these alpha males that are like liberal will back DeSantis. And this is where you get this Elon Musk, like Elon Musk, Joe uh, Rogan. They're going to back DeSantis because he's an alpha male. They're sharks. They hang out with other sharks. They're not hanging. Again, I said this on the one live stream. They don't hang out with octopuses. They Wait, hang you're out on a lot. You're on a lot. Oh, you're on my live stream. <laughs> yeah, I said other people. Uh, so uh, DeSantis has a charisma of a two by four. He won't match a Trump rally enthusiasm. And just, here's what I say to that. He doesn't have to. I, I don't even. Trump like, was I, unique. I think, yeah, I think DeSantis has his own style. He knows how to own the press but at the same time them. he actually delivers results this is a results oriented business not a can you draw crowd oriented business yeah it doesn't and, matter if you're you know the the new york yankees can't sell out a stadium but they can make it deep into the playoffs I, that's not the best example but does that make sense I mean, a consistently the, playoff bound franchise so I mean, a consistently it's, good franchise, rich franchise, doesn't need to sell out a crowd, but they can make the playoffs. They can deliver some sort of season results. I mean, Donald and, Trump is uh, Drew Bledsoe, and you got Tom Brady and Ron DeSantis on the bench playing backup. So, got up. Because they can't you know. run on the same ticket. So if anyone's suggesting that they have a unity ticket with uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, that's constitutionally not valid they they come from the same state you can't have i believe the constitution forbids the president and vice president coming from the same state and keep so, in mind i think and trump donald trump is not going to change his residence uh presumably to new york so he can run as a republican and with keep in mind a vice trump president and ron DeSantis. he's not going to do that like a DeSantis and kim reynolds ticket would help him out in that rust belt you think the DeSantis, Kim Reynolds, Rust Belt? I think DeSantis should get Winsome Sears as a VP candidate to secure, oh, secure up Virginia. Virginia. Okay, yeah. So let me get the DeSantis Max, and uh, let's actually—that's the maximum. Actually, I believe that is the max that DeSantis can do: uh, three thirty-five to two hundred three. That's a route. That's a blowout. Uh, Republicans aren't going to win Minnesota. New Hampshire is really a stretch, but a stretch it is. And uh, nothing on the West Coast. You know, your standard map. That's that's the max. But going back to the men, which was... Uh, Uh, you flipped New Mexico. Uh, I did flip New Mexico. I think, yeah, 269 to 269. I think that's his floor. I think Trump's floor is 
236. Oh, this is Trump. Car- what about North Carolina? No, I don't think he loses. You don't North think Carolina. he loses that? And even no, now. I don't. This is Trump's floor. DeSantis's floor is two sixty nine. Trump's floor is two thirty six. This is numbers here. I mean, at the uh, end of the. At the okay, end of the day. Uh, you need to need money to win like the Yankees, not win against the Yankees. Oh, DeSantis can get money. That's not a DeSantis has money. Yeah. In the words of Donald Trump, it's not a problem. So, not a problem. And he would have more money in a primary than I think Donald Trump would. And again, so this is going to be an ugly primary. This is not going to be a happy go lucky primary. This is going to be an ugly primary. It'll make Ted Cruz and Donald Trump look like. Best friends. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, lying Ted, not lying Ted. So, well, I will say, if DeSantis wants to get the early jump on Trump, he has to tackle that abortion issue because Florida's fifteen-week ban is not good enough. It's weak sauce. You got a it's bunch. It's not of good enough, but it's good enough in the primary. You think that'll? You can you say think- that it's not good enough. It's morally not good enough for me. I get that. I, I think if but he does good if enough, he gets a victory, that's a huge boon in his direction, especially when you have a lot of, like, I don't say single issue voters on the abortion thing, where Trump's abortion record is objectively better than DeSantis's. You could say that Trump's abortion record is objectively better. I would agree with that. But here's the thing here's the thing that's not enough, it's not objectively better enough to be a deciding factor. Not, I don't. I don't think it's objectively better enough to be a deciding factor in a single issue lane. And when you have, you know, the people that are anti woke, DeSantis wins that. The younger Republicans, DeSantis wins that. I think you know people like John Doyle and Red Eagle Politics are in the minority, generationally speaking. But are they I in the minority uh, as a first choice, or or? I think they're. A- as a first choice, I would still vote for Trump in 2024. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a rhino here. But this, the idea that, you know, we shouldn't have Trump be challenged, I, I think is wrong. Because if Trump still has it, then he can take on a challenger. But oh, right me. now, if Trump can't take on, if Trump is putting out pathetic pot shots at Ron DeSantis now, it's not going to get better. He's actually, it, it's sad to see, actually. This is sad to see. And I can, I don't want to be like, I know I, you know, uh, just to put the caption back on there, I know I joke about Trump having SDE right now, small DeSantis energy, but you don't want to see him go out like this. You don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. So, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it is it is results oriented. DeSantis delivered his red wave on the down ballot. Trump failed nationwide. I mean, I look at you know this midterm election. It was not the tsunami that was promised. It underperformed. You know, if I'm you know looking at the team, I'm blowing up the team and restarting from scratch. I don't you think know. you need to blow up the team. Well, so, I'm just saying Trump's the quarterback, head coach, and GM. They didn't win the Super this Bowl. Is it's like, time to blow it up. Okay, this is actually closer to the, say the Baltimore Ravens when Joe Flacco and Jim Har- or John Harbaugh took over the team. It was like two years ago that was a playoff team. 
And then they just had a really bad season because uh, who's their quarterback? Kyle Bowler, maybe. I forget who was a quarterback that season. But, before? Yeah, before Joe Flacco was Kyle Bowler, right? So they had him and Brian Billick as head coach. And, you know, but before that, they were in the playoffs. They had a first round bye week against the Indianapolis Colts, who then went on to win the Super Bowl, I believe, that year. And then, you know, Joe Flacco, whatever, they get on the Ravens. They go to the AFC Championship that season. Like, they were already a good team. You don't need to blow up the entire team. You just need to actually reorganize the team. And what we saw with the red wave in 2022 is that the Republican organizations that were uh, extremely well organized did exceedingly well. Republicans did well in New York. They did well in Florida. They did well in Arizona. Pending, pending, but if Carrie Lake wins and that ballot measure on voter ID wins, that's a victory. I don't care about the Senate, even though Blake Masters was an excellent candidate. The states where Republicans underperformed, I think the Republican infrastructure might be falling apart in Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, for sure, and Pennsylvania, no doubt. Oh, Pennsylvania, you can't get a unifying figure. Oh, and then Nevada. I forgot to say Nevada on the good column. But the Republican Party and Republicans in general need a hierarchical uh, movement. We are a hierarchical people. We need a hierarchy. And that's sad because a movement on small government and self-governance shouldn't rely on a top-down hierarchy, but we do. That's why Trump was a champion for us. He was a champion of a movement. He did not start the movement. He, or create the movement. He championed a movement. And this is a type of movement that needs a champion. Oh, one of the things I said uh, before this is, you know, with SDE is that, you know, D- Donald Trump is Saul to and Ron, Ron DeSantis, DeSantis is, David. is David. That Saul became so consumed with David that he pretty much collapsed. I mean, obviously he tried to usurp the priesthood, in Israel, so you had a lot of issues there, but he essentially became a self-fulfilling prophecy versus David, who was, you know, not touching the, he's not touching the Lord's anointed, so to speak. And, you know, right now, DeSantis is laying low. He's not, he's laying low, he's waiting for his time, but Donald Trump is at the point where, to use your analogy and continue on with it, he's about to talk to the medium. And that's bad news, Barry. He's talking to the medium before trying to start a battle here. That's what jo- Donald Trump is doing, and I don't want to see it. Um, let's see. Uh, Trump was against the people on the Wuhan SARS deception. Never lifted a finger to protect the nation, and so we are forced to distrust him entirely now. It's Nicholas. Uh, yeah, Kramer. and, and he probably. tries to gaslight. Ron DeSantis on that issue. He's going to fail miserably in a primary debate if he tries that. Chris, now, uh, Charlie Chris tried that and failed. Donald now you're going to have do even like, worse. I'm probably going to do the article on this one, you know, rebutting like the John, John Doyles of the world. But yeah, they're going to try to argue. Oh, and Trump I love Don the, Doyle. And you you got me in the yeah, I love <laughs> like him. But like Trump is uniquely qualified. He's the hero. Like they, they imagine him as the Julius Caesar. They imagine him as the hero and the protagonist in this story. They view and it again, as going story. back, going but, back to the whole point that I made about, you know, we, we are a high, we are a hierarchical cultural movement. We need a champion, you know, 
Julius Caesar was that again, this kind of goes back to the Caesarian days because he was a populist guy. Uh, it he was, was a populist, he was rich, but kind of and he was a, and he delivered results, and that's why the people loved him. Caesar's the hero of the story, but I mean, and Brutus is the villain. Augustus Caesar did greater things, so you know, exactly. Even though Caesar is arguably the greatest general of all time, uh, he's in that conversation. The uh, Battle of Pharsalus is just exceeding genius, and I don't know how he won that. And probably he would say neither does he, uh, because again, Pompey Magnus was a was in a much better position. Didn't make a mistake in that battle, but lost. But we are a movement that needs a champion, and Ron DeSantis. I think is that champion moving forward. And again, I think most MAGA bros can get behind DeSantis. I don't buy the Trump is going to sully the base and turn him against it. That might well, apply in like a like a, one of these Rust Belts, but that d- might apply in one of the Rust Belts. But guess what? The voters who uniquely responded to Trump. Let's uh, fix the map here. Uh, the voters that uniquely responded to Trump in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, they did not uniquely respond to decent Republican candidates. They didn't show up. So here's the problem. Why are we spending so much attention and time on the least reliable voters? These are good voters or good votes. You you got working class white people, rural whites, but they did not show up this election. They're not the most reliable voters. Trump did gr- a great job winning these people over. And at great cost, he turned off many reliable Republican voters. Now, many of these reliable Republican voters, they were not, uh, they were not really Republicans. They were among us, but they were not of us. Uh, uh, let's just go back to Trump's ceiling here. So, you know, this is Trump's ceiling, right? Uh, Maybe New Hampshire, if we want to go ultra ceiling. So that's Trump's ceiling. And he did, uh, he could get rural whites, people who are disaffected Democrats over to the Republican Party. Uh, One thing he didn't necessarily do is he didn't necessarily make them super conservative. That's just a fact. He didn't necessarily do that. Um, Another thing is, uh, he didn't make them reliable votes. And that showed in 2022. Those people did not turn out enough in 2022. And that's a disappointment. But with Ron DeSantis, we could win back the most reliable Republican votes that were disaffected by Trump and s- maybe not lose entirely the, the uniquely Trump voters, we could get some of them, the ones that were onboarded into the movement. But we'd have a better cat class of reliable votes for future elections. What do you think about my hypothesis? Well, yeah, I mean, starting with the Hispanics, I mean, I think DeSantis could actually make that realignment happen because you didn't I don't think you really saw it in this cycle as far as the Hispanics. We saw it in 2020 with Donald Trump. But maybe those were presidential 
election voters rather than midterm election voters. That and that might just be it. But I mean, I don't, I, I, not that Hispanics are a big deal in, in Michigan, but I don't know what Tudor Dixon's message to Hispanics was. Uh, and obviously, you know, you need someone that can maybe breach the, breach the gap with black people. And DeSantis, he has alpha male energy. He can, he can do that with the black men. He probably will maybe fare a little bit better with the women. Uh, Scott says, you know, and I'll probably have to redact some of this because, you know, we can't necessarily talk about certain things on YouTube. But I think the point he's trying to make is that these voters were probably most disaffected and decided what's the point in voting. Well, I mean, this and we can't white like how much energy can we spend white pilling people on the merits of voting? Because if they're if they're white pilled on voting, that that's a tough hill to climb marketing wise. Or if they're black pilled on black pilled on voting, how do we I mean, white pill someone on voting? And Ron DeSantis has a catalog of delivering results. That's how you do it. I so I think he's the antidote to that, because that that's the purpose of delivering results. Because some but of these, I agree. Those people were disaffected by the 2020 election. And, you know, on Gab, because I'm on Gab a lot, you saw a bunch of memes that were super popular that I think were feds. I think these were feds basically trying to say there's no point in voting because it's already going to go. It's there's no point in voting. And I disagree with them on that, because, first of all, um, that's just that's an excuse for cowardice. Um. That reasoning is cowardice, I think. But second of all, there's something called the margin, you know, the MOC, uh, the margin of a cheat. So that's a factor. And that factor uh, is why you should still vote. There's there's no reason to be blackpilled on that. At the Uh, very least, you know. Down ballot. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind. One of the things in our in our county is that you can't get these idiot Republicans to vote for their school board because I feel like the margin for the school board was the exact same as the primary. You got a couple thousand in more here, the, uh, in where we live. No, I, I don't. No, I think they did much better. Yeah, they got they. Yeah, they all got over the hump, but they, it's not like they got trash. I don't think they got drastically more votes than they got in the primary. No, I think we're gonna hold out. I think we're not. No, no, they did. They did. I'm pretty sure they did. Wasn't but it like five thousand though? They they have sizable leads where we live in the school board. Uh, only one of the people does not. Only one of the good guys does not have a sizable enough lead. I'm worried about him making it, but otherwise, uh, I actually think we're a good spot. But the at the end of the day, the. Those voters that live in those states are another reason why I think DeSantis is a preferable path because I think he secures Georgia for at least four more years. He gets Arizona. I think he wins Nevada. And with that, and he wins that one Republican district in uh, Maine, uh, then we get to 269. But I think he also puts Virginia in play. And Virginia needs to come home. Because that's thirteen electoral votes. It's a huge. And that state. was the that was the old path to victory that Hillary Clinton banked on having, on on blocking. 
you do realize if we win Virginia and Arizona and Georgia, basically the Bush. I don't think they're in Florida swing states anymore. At wait, why so basically the Bush of the Bush of four. If we just secure this block, we're good. Glenn Youngkin, you know, is an electoral electoral juggernaut. Trump, I believe, was uniquely unpopular in Virginia. But uh, again, if we were turn to more traditional Republican voters, I think we have a secured path to election victory. We need he has thirteen electoral college votes. That's as much as Michigan. Uh, actually, that's more than Wisconsin, less than Michigan. Uh, Pennsylvania is 19, which is a whale, but it has 19 because of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. It's not exactly a great I mean, sign. That's, 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 your, that's where a lot of your dejected voters are going to be is Pennsylvania. And, yeah. Nothing's going to change in, in Pennsylvania. People are going to leave. So, I mean... Yeah, and then Michigan and Wisconsin are also dejected voters. Maybe not as much Wisconsin, but Michigan and Pennsylvania, I don't think we're winning those again. I just don't. So I don't know. Uh, uh, I think that's kind of wraps up our Trump-DeSantis discussion. I, I think I think DeSantis is a guy moving forward, and I think Trump's petty pot shots are going to backfire on him. And I think his refusal to come back to Twitter is also going to backfire because he wants to build Truth Social and Truth Social is fizzling out. It had We did a live stream on Truth Social. So, uh, yes. So, Scott Scott agrees with me on the uh, Fed status of the memers on Gab. Like, those were Feds. Those, those were completely Feds. Um, and they're meant to depress the base because it's psychological warfare. You got to this is a warfare. It's psychological, but it is nonetheless uh, a battle that we have to contend with. So I'm a. We're gonna have one last uh, thing to discuss, and that is meme review. Let's close out with some meme review because we are uh, two hours and nine minutes into this live stream. So it's actually time that we smash the idolatry of democracy with memes. Because in the end, when Jesus returns, he will smash idols. You know, Jesus's iconoclastic, which is based, by the way. So we're to do some meme review. Uh, so I, I put uh, NPC uh, Russell Moore as the uh, image header because I mentioned him in this article. Uh, because he sees democracy as sacred, and we mock that. Uh, yeah. So this is our starting off, going to bed the day before an election. I don't know if that's the going to bed the day before election or the going to bed on the election night. Because... I feel like it, I feel like it should be going to bed on election night, and that's what you're dreaming because he looks pretty strung out. It's two o'clock in the morning. It looks like in the clock, or almost hey, three. Yeah, it's two thirty. This is on election night, not before. So I feel like the timing is just off. 
already i'm trying to like format this like the best way for visibility uh so where would you rank this out of 10 that's generally our i gotta go six just because it yeah missed, i was thinking it it's, the, it's middle it missed of the, road the time it missed the timing otherwise that's probably a seven and a half if you have the time right so that's number one we're starting off gentle okay just uh it gets a little bit more offensive. So we get the Shibu Inu meme of 1776 of 2016, uh, counting the votes in one night. In 2020, please don't rush us is the wimpy one. Okay. Standard meme. I think this is very well done. Yeah, I think uh, seven. Seven, because I'm not a huge fan of this meme template because, you know, but I think this is a seven. Okay. We're hearing eight, eight in the so, chat. Yeah. Eight, because, you know, it's standard. Not not exceptional, but standard. Okay, here we got elections. Uh, and we have a tiny little toy train pulling a big engine. And then the Democrats and mainstream media flanking each side. Um, I think this is pretty well done, but I still think it's a seven. And then the voting machines is a little small ch train. I'll give it a nine. I kind of like it. Uh and it's original. Like you don't it's, necessarily see this it, meme. It, it kind of reminds me of the hanger, like a hangover meme. It's just like all the drinks the night before, and that little the one that says voting machines is like the blue Powerade that's trying to pull you to shore. So I'll give it a nine because I kind of like it. Um, right. The other all thing right. is, I mean, this is actually I don't want to delve too deep into what dump and roll means instead of pick and roll. So that's kind of what <laughs> okay, uh, Mike so... talks about. This is a uh, pretty <laughs> dank meme. If you're a fan of Pulp Fiction, this is going to be a theme of the me a lot of the memes moving forward. Is it's going to be like my ballot in democracy. So this is where the smashing the idol of democracy. Um, uh, the logic of the train one was the fact. Just to respond to a comment in the chat, is the fact that the a tiny little engine has no ability to pull that a toy engine has no ability to pull a real train engine. So the idea that the vote election voting machines or whatever in Arizona, they just break. It's like you're, no rooting, ability you're to... rooting on that. I mean, the problem with that meme is that it relies on a red tsunami, but it, I mean, it's, it's kind of like relying on a, a blue Gatorade to recover your hangover. Okay. <laughs> like, so this, this meme I think is a 10. I'll give it a nine. I, nine I give it a half. 10 because I love it. So love the it. theme in the meme, a lot of these memes is going to be, my ballot or democracy getting killed by my ballot yeah but I'm voting against democracy is it and it's this you... meme that emerged because you know democracy isn't a thing so this this meme i'll explain it for audio listeners no, no, no. If i put is this in it, the audio sense is, is that is he... pulp fiction they're driving in the car with the hostage in the back seat and then uh What's his, what's Samuel Jackson's character's name? Allegedly drives over a pothole, causing John Travolta's character to shoot the hostage in the back seat of the car, causing a blood spatter. Well, or that did they he, then have or to go drive over a pothole. You know, well, allegedly it's it's left ambiguous, and it's and it's a pretty Jules. Jules is his name. Thank you, chat. Um, Allegedly drives over a pothole, and then they have to uh, get a dead black person's <laughs> I, body cleaned. Uh, and then Quentin Drive Tarantino... around in a maxi pad. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, Quentin, uh, Quentin Tarantino drops many hard R's in a movie that could not be made in after political correctness emerged in the mid-90s. And Seinfeld so. did a parody of that scene. Oh, they did? The wolf. I'm, I'm the wolf. I'm here to clean up your mess. Oh, okay. Yes. So... This is actually really targeted. I give this a solid eight. Like that last one was a 10. This one's an eight. Yeah. It's a little low ha- hanging, but you're starting to see this as a meme template more often. Uh, this is uh, Ted Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's making fun of that. Obviously, I believe the rule with tragedy is uh, after like 20.2 years or whatever, it, something tragic becomes funny again. Uh, but I think the internet has broken that rules many times as we will continue to do tonight. Uh, there's, that's the South park rule. So this is a 10 for uh Scott in the chat. I'm going to give it an eight, but I, I, I love that this it. This is one of the first memes that I saved. And then here we oh, go. <laughs> here we go. This yeah. is the one that started it all. Uh, this is me voting a straight Republican ticket and the democracy. And it's uh, Nicole Simpson and OJ Simpson. I believe her name was Nicole. Uh, and yeah, that, that story doesn't end well, except for the fact that the glove don't fit, you must acquit. So I guess O.J. Simpson had a happy uh, ending until he went to jail for... I feel really, like he I went feel- to jail for this, but he on paper, he went to jail for stealing his own autographs or something weird like that. But I feel he like actually the, went to jail for this. The labels should be reversed. Democracy should be O.J. Why? No, this is about killing democracy. Oh, okay. Killing democracy. That's the meme here. Slaughtered that, by it. Yes. Yeah, that's the meme. So I, I give this a, I give it's this a nine because this I, is a ten. You say you think it was a ten? It, this again, it gets more offensive. But <laughs> okay, so here I we saw go. This one. <laughs> oh wait, here I we go. Uh, democracy is a bed, and then me voting a straight Republican ticket is Amber Heard. Now, allegedly. There was a video of Amber Heard pooping on the streets somewhere, like allegedly, just saying. We know we know what she's capable of. And that emerged from the very ultra famous trial of uh, the trial of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. So we learned that she because this is topical. It's a nine. This is I think the concept is a 10. The execution is an eight. Okay. Or a enough. seven. I mean, so yeah, the, I'm going to merge the two and give it an eight. I think the concept was a 10, but I don't think I mean, the execution matches the concept. I mean, since there actually is a picture of the bed with the turd in it on the internet, like it, you could have just had that democracy. It's just a turd on the bed. No, um, no, because this grumpy. is before. This is a before picture. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Okay, so agree. here we're going to get a little dark or gay as I caption it. <laughs> so democracy is Paul Pelosi and voting GOP down the ticket is a hammer. <laughs> we'll give this a 10. I, I like it. I would agree. This is a 10. It, it's Play offensive, it. but it gets more offensive, guys. Play hide more... the hammer. Actually, as, uh... this might be the second most offensive one here. It, there might be one that's more offensive than this. This could be the most offensive, but who? That's Hide dank. the hammer. That is dank. Hide the hammer is exactly the game they type. So I don't know whether the hammer goes into his face or up his butt, but that's Paul Pelosi's night for you. And by the way, we have a dark 
function on evangelical dark web not false advertising so here we go uh about to get pretty offensive i mean i've seen this meme template before yeah this uh meme template is uh saint george floyd uh martyred on the streets of mini nazareth <laughs> i heard it called so i'm gonna steal it um yeah, so uh, Derek Chauvin is me voting a straight Republican ticket, and democracy is St. George Floyd. But obviously, we know that. See, the reason that holds this, the thing that holds this meme back is the fact that we know the role that fentanyl played in the death and martyrdom of St. George Floyd. But otherwise, this is a 10. It's offensive. It's to the point. It smashes the idol of democracy. In the exact way that we needed it smashed. So this is a 10. And yeah, and for the most part, I got a lot of... I, I chose some of the best memes that I saw out of this little street. And I was hoping that tonight would be more optimistic. And we could just, you know, more jokingly say about this. But evidently, you know... I, I'm not blackpilled, by the way. So this is more of a post-election meme. Uh, I don't know what this is from, actually. This is Adult Swim. What, is it not but Trevor this is Noah? old. No, that um, looks way too funny to be Trevor Noah. So, this is the whole gunshots. Why would you do this meme template? So, GOP is shooting MAGA candidates and then asking why would Trump do this? And this has to go with the fact that uh, Mitch McConnell, as we talked about at the beginning of this live stream, screwed over, intentionally screwed over winnable races and winnable Republicans to fund Mehmet Oz. And, you know, again, Herschel Walker delivered, so I don't think... Uh, um, I'll give it an eight just because the meme template's a little stale, but at the end of the day, that is I, I, I think it's. I think it's a seven. I think it makes a point. I don't think it makes it exceedingly well. Well, but I think it makes the point. It's just, you know, it's a little played out. I don't I don't know how it's a little Okay. Old. Well then this one I captioned the day's vaulting will continue. How I sleep knowing all my enemies are vaccinated. <laughs> this one's an eight for me. But I like it. And send us your final questions since we're about to uh wrap up the stream and don't forget to hit the like button on your way out uh that would be mucho appreciado that's not really good spanish but whatever um so i give this one an eight what's your uh i'll give it a take seven on it? i mean uh and this article is available at evangelical dark web if you want to steal these memes and give them to a friend uh i'm all about uh sharing uh offensive memes but otherwise, since we're wrapping up here, uh, I don't need to share that anymore. So Evangelical Dark Web is a news gathering and Christian commentary uh, ministry. Uh, and you can support it a couple of ways. Uh, subscribe to the channel. If you've listened this long and haven't subscribed, I don't know what you're doing. A heart of stone, maybe. But uh just go ahead and hit the subscribe button, like button. Those are just the easy ways you can support us. Uh, we also have socials that you can look into down below. And uh, the heart, more higher effort ways that don't cost anything that are still free. We have a newsletter 
uh, evangelicaldarkweb.org. That is linked in the description. There's a newsletter you can subscribe to uh, and or a telegram, which you can uh, subscribe to as well. And yes, turn on the bell. That helps. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, YouTube has a high failure rate on those, but you know, it always helps. I believe 13% of you do the bell. So it'd be cool if that went higher. So uh, like I said, the those are the medium effort ways is to subscribe to a newsletter or a telegram. And the highest effort ways, if you really want to support us, uh, this is, you know, we have a Patreon-like system because Patreon does not, does censor people. So we don't use Patreon. We built our own in the website. And that is, and it's a Patreon-like system. You can give whatever you want. And that will give you like seven days behind the paywall just as a thank you. But otherwise we have, you know, monthly subscription plans for like $5 a month, uh, starting at $5 a month if you want to support Evangelical Dark Web. And Christian commentators that you like because the ones that you don't are exceedingly well funded i'm a dude with a 40 dollars flag behind me a 30 dollars microphone and maybe a hundred dollar webcam and you know apparently we do better videos here than the hundred million dollar he gets us campaign but you know we got to exceed bigger hurdles and stuff like that so any support is appreciated and we don't really pocket this money whatsoever. And by really, I mean, I've never pocketed this money. It stays in a separate bank account. So it's, and I'm pretty transparent about that. Um, so anyway, that's just a little bit of housekeeping. We didn't really get any questions uh, in our last call. So I think we can just wrap it up. We're two and a half hours in. So I think it's a good time to drop off. So uh, have a, Blessed day, and we will catch you on.